Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. My name is Chet Czar. I'm your host. This is episode 125. I will be interviewing Tom Taggart. He's a great sculptor and a really interesting guy. And we had actually, I already did the interview. Um, and it was great. And it was, it goes into some weird places. Surprisingly, I didn't expect it at all, which is really cool. So I'm going to keep this short because it's Monday morning and I'm still, I still haven't gotten the files to Brian Kilgore, our amazing audio engineer who makes it sound good and puts everything together. So, um, like I said, I'm going to make this quick. I've been just been, uh, what have I been doing? Been working, uh, uh, still, still doing well, getting, um, getting my life in order, waking up early, exercising back on my meditation regimen, spending uh, a lot of time doing, uh, my magic.me stuff, which I encourage everybody interested in magic or spirituality to check out magic.me. It's awesome. Great, great, great work Jason Louv has done there. Um, what else? What else? Oh, my car. Uh, oh, my, my car that got totaled, my brand new car. I don't know if I mentioned this on the show. I mentioned it on my personal Patreon, which is patreon.com slash chetsar if you want to join. Actually, I should promote this. I didn't even think of this. But this month on my personal Patreon, I'm giving away a free glow-in-the-dark gas mask logo pin if you join at any level. So uh, it's a good deal. I'm trying to get people over there because the content I'm posting pretty much every day, just about every day, posting time lapses. Um, uh, work in progress. I do pro tips. I do uh, tutorials, monthly tutorials at the $10 level, but you can join for as little as a buck and you get a free pin within the next month. If you join within the next month, uh, it's great though. I mean, I'm really, all my energy is kind of going towards that Patreon. So if you're a fan of my work, it's not, about Instagram anymore. It's not about Facebook. It's about Patreon. That's where I'm putting all of, all of my new work. And and when you join up, you're going to be surprised at all the work that's up there because I've got you know I've been on there maybe a year or so, and it's just been all new work that I haven't been posting on regular social media. So you'll be surprised at how much stuff new stuff is on there. But anyway, that's my pitch. Uh, what was I saying now? <clears throat> oh, I mentioned uh, on my Patreon, I kind of gave a life update because so much crazy stuff was happening. But I, I, I finally had a new, bought a new car and um, a Kia Soul, which I love, loved. I still love it. But uh, six months old, some lady hit us, totaled the car. Everyone's safe, which is good. But we just found out that the car's totaled. But the good news is they're paying for the car and we're getting a little money back that we'll be able to put a down payment on 
a new car again. So it's the first time I'd bought a new car since 1989, I think, when I first got married. So I finally was able to get a, a new car that was going to be reliable. And then six months later, of course, during Mer Mercury Retrograde, some lady hits us. So it sucked. But anyway, that's all working out well, actually, in the end, because I'll be able to get a newer, even a newer car, a better car. But it was rough. Anyway, seems like things are kind of back to normal and doing well. So I'm happy about that. Oh, I would, I have another documentary recommendation if you haven't seen it on Netflix. It's called The Great Hack. Just watch it. You should just watch it. That's all I'm going to say about it. It's amazing. The Great Hack on Netflix. Okay. Um, oh, shh. I forgot the five questions. Now I got to look that up really quick. I guess this isn't going to be such a quick intro after all. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to say the uh, talk about the new subscribers this week. We only have two, but that's all right. Ugly Shyla. Thank you, Ugly Shyla. I've known her a long time. She makes these really cool, creepy dolls. She's kind of old school dark art, actually. And she's joined the Dark Art Society. And Alex Fitch is another old friend from Facebook and also an artist. But he does kind of super psychedelic, really great stuff, psychedelic visionary art. So welcome, you two, and thank you for supporting. And anybody else wants to support, you can join for as little as a dollar a month. And it uh, supports the podcast being made because a lot of energy goes into this podcast, believe it or not. Okay, let me try and find some five questions. Five questions. Okay, here's a good one. Andy Uribe. Are, are your paintings made up as you go along, or are they dreams, nightmares you've had? I, I don't know if I've ever painted a dream or a nightmare. I did have one dream of a woman like walking a dog, but the dog is a giant cockroach that was glowing from within. And I haven't painted that yet. That was a dream image. Otherwise, my dream images are usually not that cool. I, I, I've said this before. And they're really, my paintings are really from my subconscious. Um, I approach the art making process like just doodling and seeing what comes out. And when I see something that's cool, I'll keep going with it and see if that spurs on another idea and another idea, and then it turns into something. Uh, let's see. Here's a good one. Ethan Howe. Always portraits. Why? That's a great question. There's a few reasons for that, why I do portraits. Um, and no, not necessarily in any order of, 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 uh, importance. One, my, so much of my history when I was in, from maybe 12 years old up until, uh, I got into the film business and beyond into the film business really. So my early teen years into adulthood, I was designing masks and characters, creatures, and I would always draw the head and shoulders just because that's 
where my uh, I don't know, you know, the, that's kind of where the 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 character most of the character is is in the face and I I feel anyway, the face and the eyes. And so just on that level that I'm used to doing portraits in the in that way, designing for film and making masks and stuff like that. So I kind of have that in my background. Uh, and also I think that, that portraits are, uh, I don't, if they, they suit what I'm doing pretty well because it's about, I'm trying to elevate these, these, um, kind of monster characters that generally are regarded or were regarded as low culture, not worthy of, of painting well. You know, they're for kids and comic books. That's the general vibe that mainstream culture has about them. It's not serious art. So I think by creating portraits, like a serious portrait of a monster, it kind of elevates it and uh, elevates the subject matter in a, in a sense. So that's one reason. Uh, and then also they're... they're um, I don't want to say easy to do because they're not, but they're easier to do than figure work, like a full figure. Just because I'm, I've focused so much effort throughout my life on the face and the head and the character of, of, of the face. So, um, it's, it's definitely my comfort zone. So, and when I'm always having to, earn money and make a living doing this i don't get to um, push myself and challenge myself as often as i would like just because of practic practicality's sake so it's uh uh portraits are kind of again my my comfort zone and i enjoy doing them so i'll do those first usually and i'm you know i'm i'm all about the character creating a character and characters to me as much as a costume or a body defines a character it's really all about mostly not all about but mostly to me about the face the head and the eyes and the expression on the face um so that's that okay uh, sorry i wasn't very prepared today just trying to kind of rush through this. Uh, Carl Ingram, have you seen the AI portraits thingy? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, this is the AI that makes portraits of people based on photos that look like they were painted by the world's greatest artists. I think it's pretty amazing and pretty cool, but I don't. I really don't think AI will ever take the place of a human being creating art. It's just, it's a different thing. So uh, it's interesting though. I, I'm not, I don't feel threatened by it. I, I think it's, it's kind of cool and weird, but I don't think it's like, I don't know. A big part of why art is important is because people are creating it and it's personal. And that's why people, I think, like it. One of the reasons. 
see. Chris Hacker, do you foresee ever having a guest host for the podcast or will you keep it one-on-one? I don't know. Since Mike left, I just kind of turned it into a, a an artist interview format and I, uh, I, I, I would definitely entertain the idea of having a, a guest host. Maybe, um, you know, not a permanent thing, but I'm just barely making this podcast come together at this point in my life because there's so much going on. So I have to kind of do it whenever I can do it. And that's just one less thing to have to coordinate. But I'm totally into 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 that. Uh, I talked to Christopher Ulrich about coming in and guest hosting and covering topics and stuff um, on occasion. And Mike's going to come back once in a while. But for now, I think we're just keeping it with me doing the interview show because that seems like what people are into. Okay, how many was that? That was one, uh, two, three, four. Okay, one more. Uh, Michael Acevedo. Do you think that dark art will or maybe already is starting to develop a uniform aesthetic and look and look samey? Thoughts on that? I think that's always a concern for any group coming together and uh, influencing each other. But I see, you know, quite a bit of diversity in within the dark art world. There's a lot of sameness, though, as well. Uh, I think it's something that we need to to keep. Um, we need to keep in the front of our minds at all times to be original, because that's important. If everything became aesthetically the same, the whole movement would be dead and it would suck. So every artist in this community has a responsibility to the community and to themselves to be their own person, be their own artist and work hard to develop their own unique style. If you don't have your own voice, then you don't really have anything. You might have skill in paint, being able to paint something, but if you don't have your own voice, what's the point? You know, if you're painting and it looks like someone else's painting, then you know, what are you even doing? That's the one thing that we have. Like I've said before, the old masters have already done all the paintings and sculptures better than we will ever be able to do it. So uh, there's not really any point in trying to outdo them, the old masters, because it's already been done. The top has already been reached. So we should reach for that and try and be at least, or try try and be as good as them, which we, you know, Rarely, I think, are because they're the old masters. They devoted their lives to it. It was a different time. You didn't have to worry about getting fucking shot every time you went out to an event. Although you did have to worry about dying early from some weird disease. So I guess it's like six of one, half a dozen of another. But it was a different time. And, and you know, people were able to devote their entire lives to it, to the study, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, point being, it's already been done as good as it could be done. And the only thing that we have to bring to it is our own unique voice. That's all we got. So 
that should be in the forefront of everybody's minds. Every artist, especially in this community, is bringing something new to the table. If you're not bringing something new to the table, then you're not really contributing to the scene. So that's my thought on it. All right. Okay, let's get on with this interview with Tom Taggart. Like I said, it's it's a good one that goes in some weird places and really fun places. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. And here we go. Tom Taggart. What's up, Tom? Hey, Chet. How you doing? I'm good. Thank Thanks, you. Sir. Oh, yeah. Having me on this and all that. Shit. Thank you for being on i appreciate you know i'm a, I'm a huge fan of yours i own i own one of your pieces and um, <laughs> yeah, i love I, it I own your pieces now too that's right <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah. how we that's how we get art collections us us artists yeah, we, yeah. we we do art trades but i'm uh you've been in conjoined um i just i love your style of sculpture it's really unique and um I, and your your skill level is amazing it's really you know you can tell you've been doing it a long time so Super happy to have you on the show. I've been meaning to for a while now, and now you got your Skype worked out so we can do it. Yeah, I'm a little bit behind on on <laughs> all the tech stuff. Just just recently got my uh, Instagram up too. So oh, good. I'm, I'm moving up in the world. Cool. You gotta you gotta check out the uh, the episode we did with with Josh G about Instagram. How to how to use your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so valuable. I'm telling you. I think it's the most listened to episode. It's my. I've gone up. I was stuck for two years. My count wasn't moving. It was high, you know, but it, it still, it was stuck. And I started doing the things he told me and it's gone up seven. I've gotten 7,000 followers, I think in three months, just because I was using his techniques. Wow. I'm going to have to check that out. What, what was the guy's name again? Josh? Josh G. I'll, I'll send you a link to the episode. Yeah, okay. It's a it's, uh, episode, you know, what? since I brought it up, let me say it real quick for people listening. Uh, it is episode coming up almost there episode. Come on. Episode 110 of the dark art society podcast. Josh G. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. You'll get, you'll get a lot I'll of have it. To check it out because you know, I'm like, I, I like you, it's like, I got to a certain point and it just kind of flat lines and you see people on there that they, they have, hundreds of thousands of followers and like what kind of content they're putting up it's just like i know i know pictures of bananas. they got you know two hundred and fifty thousand people following them for pictures yeah. of bananas and it'll be like three pictures <laughs> right <laughs> there's definitely a, a way of doing things though it's really it's interesting when you hear and he explains why it works that way on the episode yeah. too so it's 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 great so if i mean if you follow the rules he lays out you will get you know it, it will You'll get more, oh, definitely. more followers, more engagement, all that stuff. But anyway, on to you. Um, I don't know, other than, you know, you're a great sculptor and a great artist. I don't know anything about you, really, other than you're kind of, you know, we're kind of close to the same age, I think, which is refreshing <laughs> to have someone on here that's yeah, not like... I look like your grandfather, so... <laughs> it's nice to have someone on here who's not like 15 years younger than me, so... Yeah. Um, we have, we have a lot in common with our childhood, uh, stuff, I believe. Um, so yeah. how, how did you get into, uh, doing what you're doing? How did you get into art or you, or did you start as a kid and all that stuff? Give me your background. 
right. If you want to go to like the kid stuff, like like everybody our age, you know, it was the Ray Harryhausen and Godzilla, the the four thirty movie monsters of the week. You know, yeah. when they you know Godzilla week and you know stuff like that. The big big influence on me was uh, the Beatles Yellow Submarine cartoon. Oh yeah, that's a that, great one. I can see that. I can see that in your work too. It, it it affected me on such a level that that to this day uh, I'm still thinking blue meanies and you know that kind of stuff. You, you know, then there was let me, let me oh I'm sorry, let me inter- interject really quick. I I just turned uh, my six and seven year old granddaughters onto Yellow Submarine and they totally dug it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's totally. I. I you know, I, I love it. I, I would love to, you know, at some point in time, do a, a sequel to it, you know, but with stop motion puppets. You oh, know? yeah. That'd be amazing. You know, I, I'm definitely big into the, the, the Yellow Submarine. And like I said, uh, Jim Henson was a big influence, the, the Muppets, um, you know, and just like the monster kind of stuff. And comic books didn't really come till much later in life. It wasn't until like high school that I even like thought about comic books. I never understood them as a kid. I, I could pick up a Batman comic book and it would only be part of a story. And I, I didn't understand that it continued in the next book. Same here. I had issues with that as well. I would get very frustrated. And I'd be like, <laughs> why do I spend my money? I don't know what Batman did now. And, didn't, fighting and, and I didn't know where to start. Some, sometimes I felt like, oh, it's so far in. I can't even start. How do you get yeah. the first episode? first uh, book and you know it's that's kind of what kept me away from the, the 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 superhero comic books but i did get into the the horror stuff that because those are yeah. like little stories you know yeah exactly they like uh the tales from the crypt and uh Definitely. vault of horrors and stuff like that yeah, yeah they, they just have like one story and mm-hmm. yeah or even sometimes the western comic books oddly enough i would get because it was a like you said, one one story, and then like from there, it was just you know Star Wars. Obviously, you know that was a big thing. I went through that whole obsessed with Star Wars. Yep, same here. You know, and and after that, you know, I I I basically have, you know, my high school art education, and that's it. After Me after. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing. You know, after after I graduated, I wandered. I wandered and wasted from like 18 to 25, 26, somewhere around there before I even had any kind of notion that I could do art for a living. Wow. I had always been told that I was a piece of crap. I had always been told, you know, you suck, you're no good, you're you can't do art for a living, you can't, you know, be this, you can't do that. Wow. I to this day still wrestle with all that. Programming. You know, naked, yeah, programming, and, and it, it's tough to get over. Where did you Where did you grow up? Well, I, I, I'm detecting uh, an, ac- an accent. New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There were there were quite a few of us out there. Paul Komoda was out there in Jersey too. I, I never met him, but uh, he was he was close by, and there were a couple other. Yeah, Bill uh, w- William Basso. Bill Basso. Yeah. 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 William Basso and uh, William Paquette was out there too. Jim McKenzie. Uh, Dave- Jim McKenzie, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually met him, so yep. Yeah, he's a cool dude. He was on the podcast also. Yes, yes, yes. He's <laughs> everywhere these days. I know. It's bigger than corn chips. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, you 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 floundered around and what what was the what was the thing that got you to consider a career 
Because you've done yeah. all kinds of w- different things that I wasn't aware of, like Mac comic book covers and all kinds of yeah. interesting things. Yeah. I uh, I ran into an old uh, friend of mine, uh, Dave DeVries. I don't know if you're familiar uh, with his artwork. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, kicks ass. The guy's a, one of, guy is one of the most amazing painters I know. He, he is. Can, sit down and draw and render and paint things that I, I couldn't even think of. Right. And uh, he and I went to high school together. Uh, he was a year before me. Uh, no, I was a year before him. Uh, and so after I graduated, I never saw the guy anymore. And then I ran into him and he had gone off to art school and he actually like learned how to do stuff. And he was working in comic books. Huh. And I just saw what he did and what he was doing, and like that was the that was a, 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 a an eye opening moment for me when I suddenly realized, hey, this is possible. Like this can be done. This people like me, who, who I consider Dave was, you know, a guy like me, and he was doing it. So right. I just <laughs> I literally started following him into DC Comics. And just wandering the halls and walking <laughs> to people's offices. I'll, I'll never forget the, the day I just walked into Karen Berger's office. She was the, the head of Vertigo Comics. And <laughs> she's kind of got a bit of a reputation of being kind of stern and like no nonsense. Yeah. And I had one of those giant, you know, uh, college portfolios, you know, the, the, the two foot yeah. leather ones. And I just came walking down the hall and knocked on her door, walked in. And I was like, hi, Karen, my name's Tom. And I want to do something. <laughs> <laughs> and she just looked at me like, like, how did you even get me? <laughs> and, 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 you know, this, this was in the days before 9-11. So, so you could go to the DC offices and just walk around. And, and, wow. and, and uh, she looked at, she looked at the couple of paintings I had and she was just like, look, you, you just don't have what it takes. You just don't, you, you, you're, you're not a comic book artist. Oh my God. I, I went home and I was like, fuck that. I'm going to show her. <laughs> so I just kept sending her stuff. I just kept sending her and sending her and sending her stuff. And I wasn't able to draw or paint like the others, but I knew I could sculpt. Mm-hmm. I've always been able to make things. Mm. So I just started making a swamp thing and sending her pictures of that. And something about it kind of connected and 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 it just kind of led to me getting to my first cover and then from there i was a 3d illustrator and i never even knew 3d illustration was a thing i didn't until- e- yeah i didn't either until really until i saw pictures of on your facebook of 3d illustrations you made for for covers i had no idea especially comics did that yeah yeah well that's the thing there was there was me maybe bill Sinkevich, and dave mckeon other than that, I don't know anybody that was doing that kind of stuff. And even even Bill and Dave were doing it in a different kind of way. They right. weren't full on sculptures. I mean, now you see it a lot. You see, like, there's this one guy. Uh, I don't know his name, but the Red Nose Studio. You know that artist? No. He does a lot of these really cool, like, puppet characters, and uh, their covers for books, and they're they're just amazing. And you see this kind of stuff. It's a little more out there now, but back then. You know, I, I struggled to get every single cover that I got. I it was bet. it was literally me going and to the point of making the covers and then going and trying to sell them, you know, like, will you buy this and use it for a cover? I made this. That's amazing. And that was like maybe five years of that before it just kind of was <laughs> like, you know, I can't, I can't do this. Like there, there are people that I've worked for 
numerous times and have shown them what I'm capable of doing. My covers were winning awards and getting into Spectrum and the Society of Illustrators. And yet I still had to go through this whole process of, of explaining what I did to editors, telling them that I could work just as fast as painters, that I was, you know, they could afford me if they could afford a painter, they could afford my work. And it just, it just didn't, it never gelled. It never really caught on. People how, really didn't get it. How often did you get a cover when you did that on spec? Was it like half the time? That seems like very difficult. That's almost like, um, to tell you the truth, every piece that I did on spec, I got. Oh, excellent. That's a pretty amazing. I, I, I was, a, I was, I was a lot hungrier and a lot more, um, I didn't take no for an answer back then. <laughs> if, if they told me I couldn't do it, I went out and proved to them that I could do it. And, you know, it, it was, it was, a, it was right around 89 through 93 at that, that golden time where everybody in comics was just doing well. There was money to be made and work all over the place. There were trading cards coming out. Everybody was, was doing really well, but I was still struggling because even with like the trading card work, they'd be like, well, but we're not hiring sculptors. I don't understand what you're doing. I'm like, yeah, but I'm, I'm a dimensional illustrator. Yeah. You needed and someone that, that really kind of got what you were doing and, and kind of championed you really is what yeah, you needed. Yeah, there, there, there was one editor, uh, there were, well, there were a couple of editors that really supported me, but there was one guy that really kind of gave me my, my break. And that was Tom Pyre who was editing doom patrol. And that was probably the, the one book that I'm still kind of associated with where I actually got a good run on consistent uh, covers for mm -hmm. Doom Patrol. And then he left and the new editor came in and for no reason other than just wanting to make it his, took me off the book. So right. I was just like, oh, great. Thanks for that. That sucks. It did. It sucked. It sucked a lot. But uh, after that, I, I just kind of wandered again and uh, ended up teaching at the Joe Kubert art school for a little while. Yeah. And it was, it, it was just happenstance that there was a guy that I taught with there who worked at McFarland toys. Ah. And that got me into there. And uh, that was a pretty cool gig. I did a lot of um, like back in those days, uh, they had this thing called, they have this thing called toy fair where every year they show off the new lines for buyers and it's in, Man in Manhattan in their showroom. And uh, at the time that I was working there, the McFarland showrooms were kind of like, they were crazy. Like they would have, it would be like a, like, like a, like an attraction where you come walking through a, like a maze and each room would be set up to reflect what the toy was. So oh, like if wow. there powers toys you walked into a room that was all shag rugs and austin powers and you know that kind of thing and i was doing sets life-size sets for the for the the showroom like building dungeons and making military installations God. and old attics and stuff like it was like perfect yeah it must have been so fun it was it was a lot of fun because it was a bunch of like just crazy guys doing whatever the hell we wanted to do pretty much and getting paid well. And we were in Manhattan and like, it would just be great working late at night. And you know, you're, you're there at three in the morning and you step outside and there's Manhattan and you're just like getting a cheeseburger or whatever. It was, right. it was just like really positive energy and great. It, it eventually, you know, fizzled out because they, some people there didn't want the showrooms looking. Uh, they thought the showroom 
was overshadowing the, the toys. Uh. So now I think it's just a black room with, you know, spotlight on toys. (laughs) (laughs) Boring. Yeah. Yeah. But I learned a lot. I learned a lot during my time at, at McFarland toys. Uh, there was this guy, um, uh, they called him corn boy, Eric Mays. And (laughs) he, he, he nicest guy in the freaking world, by the way. And he did a lot of the fabrication of like the guns and the, the shields and the armor, like, like there were sculptors that would sculpt the toys. And then the fabricators made like the hard, you know, equipment and, and that kind of stuff. Right. And that's where I really learned fine detailing to make pistols and swords and all that kind of stuff. And I learned about molding and casting. Hmm. And it was also at McFarland toys that I did my first large scale foam pieces. Oh, yeah. I did a, Life-size uh, Carol from Where the Wild Things Are, the guy with the horns and oh, like, the cool. wizard legs. Life-size? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's big. Yeah, he was <laughs> he was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to do that. And uh, that that lasted for a little while. And then uh, I'll say one thing about the toy biz. Have you ever done any toy work? I have. Well, no, not really. I know people that that was one of the kind of branches that people in effects, if they wanted to get out of effect, makeup effects, they would go into the toy business. So I know a lot of people in that business, but I've never really done it myself. It it was a weird kind of thing, at least at the time that I was there, that there were a lot of angry, uh, insecure, jealous people that like everybody had their secret wax formula and (laughs) yeah how did how did you make oh i can't tell you my secret wax dude you know it's wax (laughs) you know (laughs) know? pre-internet before people realize that there are no no secrets anymore you know yeah 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 i've never understood that with with artists that have their their secrets and their you know, uh, I, I, there was one time I met this comic book artist that I really looked up to, and I won't tell you who he is because, but he was he was like kind of a I wouldn't say he was one of my idols, but he was a guy that I really admired his work, and I met him at a gallery, and I was like, man, I love your work. Uh, you know, I, I look up to you, and, and you know, like you're one of those guys that when I get stuck on ideas and I, I I take out your stuff and I get inspired, and it just motivates me. And he's like, oh, so now I'm supposed to be your friend because you're ripping me off? No way. <laughs> I was just like, I was like what? Wow, <laughs> you know? that's like terrible. Anybody that looks at my work versus his work, it, it, you you it, it's apples and beans. You know, you it's literally so different, and it's just like wow, that's terrible. So, insecure people that like you know that's what i was gonna, just gonna, that's what i was gonna say is that's you know people that are super secretive and people that act like assholes like that are generally it comes from a place of just being totally insecure you know right, right. it's because I, I could tell you every you could you could come over here and live with me for a week and watch everything i do and right. go home and try to do it. And you're still going to do Chet's version of it. Exactly. You're not going to do Tom's. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know? Um, that would be a fun show if you came over here and lived for a week. <laughs> that would be fun. You have an amazing studio. I'm so jealous of yes. your studio. Huh? I'm so jealous of your studio. You have a really nice big space. It's amazing. It, it's a great space. It's a great space. I'll tell you, being out in uh, North Carolina after growing up in Jersey, is a bit of a culture shock for me. I bet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
though the weather is very different and the insects are different. There, there are bugs the size of my feet here that just like come out. <laughs> the spiders are huge. Really? Uh, they're, they're massive. They're massive spiders. I, I don't care so much about the spiders because they're good, but right. I see, I see road, like I was out, I have a little garden out on the, the side and I went out the other night and I was just like pouring some coffee grounds out in the garden and these things were going past my my feet and I thought they were rats or something. And I was like, oh, God, my flashlight. I swear, I'm not kidding you, man. They were cockroaches. Oh, my the God. The size of like, you, you know, like a fist, you know. Oh, my God. Palmetto bugs, uh-huh. and they fly. They're nothing like New York and New Jersey. They have roaches too, but they're little guys, and you know they're dirty, and you don't see them. But these guys are massive. Yeah. But luckily, they don't like to come in. <laughs> the, the studio's pretty good. It, it's a nice, it's a nice space. It's it's a decent size, and I don't have to worry about making a mess. I can work with plaster. I can work with right. You know, whatever I need to work in, uh, you know, and unfortunately, most of the stuff I'm working on these days is on my little tabletop. So I (laughs) be working in a little apartment. Yeah. Not able to take advantage of big big things. Big things are expensive. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Time consuming. For me, it's been more about finding people that. Not so much that they they don't have the money for a big thing; they don't have the space for exactly, that. yeah. And that's what kills me because I have people that would buy my big stuff, but they don't have any place to put it. Right? Yeah, you and have that. You have it even worse than painters. Sculptors have it worse than painters because you take up more room. Oh, and then shipping too. Oh so, yeah, yeah, right. That's 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 always fun as hell. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> I have a lot of a lot of stuff around here. And uh, because of the way I am, it, it's all busted and broken. Because <laughs> I don't take care of it because I'm always like, oh, I'll fix that later. Right. Oh, don't worry. Just, just put that over here. You know, whereas a painting you could put in a nice little flat file or whatever. Right. But, yeah. No, my, my house has got paintings all around the floor, just stacks of yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. So I can totally relate to that. <laughs> you, you do both. You do sculpting and painting. So you you got. Yeah. Most of your most of your stuff is probably gone before you're not like storing it. You you probably sell it. Yeah, uh, I've got you know it's like p- paintings <laughs> over uh over a certain size are what I have larger paintings because they're expensive. So it's yeah. like I don't have any of this you know eleven by fourteens. I can't. I, I do pretty well with, and even up to sometimes it's like a twenty by four by thirty. But anything bigger than that is like it takes forever to sell because it's a lot of money. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then there's the extra shipping costs and yeah. all that. And the space on the wall too. Like again, you know, I want to do a huge painting someday, but I'd have to arrange, I'd have to do a commission probably and arrange with someone because you know, who's going to buy a six foot by four foot painting? Not many people. Well, you're your buddy Del Toro. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he told me, he set me, took me aside the, one of the last times I saw him and he's, he was like, I have to tell you, I got to stop buying your work. I'm a, I'm a chedaholic and I have to stop because <laughs> he was buying a lot for a while. And I was like, you know, I can't complain. He's, he was so supportive, but um, he just, yeah. I, you know, I, I understand there's a point where you're kind of like, okay, I've got enough of that artist. Right. Or, you right. Know, I got to move on. But then again, after that, he, uh, he bought a bit huge sculpture I did <laughs> at a convention. So you never yeah. know. He might buy something again. 
That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I met him once. Um, he was doing a book signing in New York and I, and I went there and, uh, I gave him a, a bag of ornaments and I was expecting to just give him these ornaments and, and he'd be like, Oh, very nice. And right. scooby. But uh, he immediately dove into him like it was like Christmas. Right. Like the boxes, and he grabbed them, and he he it was like a Martian ornament that he was holding, and he he started just he was so excited, and he just started saying Basil Gogos to me, uh-huh. but with heavy accent. I literally had no idea. I thought he was asking me to go to a go-go or something like that. I'm like, and, and he he stood up and he started talking to me, and then he like pulled me in and he's like, Oh, do you, do you like breakfast? And I'm like, well, who doesn't like breakfast? You know? And he's just like, it's just like he, 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 he knew of this, this, uh, place, uh, popover cafe or something like that. But again, with his accent, I didn't know what he was. Ten- and I was also nervous as hell. Right. Me, you know, and, uh, long story short, you know, he invited me to breakfast with him the next morning, which was totally Amazing. awesome. So you know? cool. So damn cool. I went I went home that night. I was high as a kite, man. Yeah. I, I was like bouncing off the walls. I'm like, I'm gonna go see Del Toro tomorrow. We're having breakfast. <laughs> and I got yeah, I, I I've known a lot of different artists. I've met different people at different stages. Meeting Del Toro and hanging out and having breakfast with him. It was just like talking to you. It was like I was hanging out with my high school buddy. Right. You know, right. it was just very easy. We we didn't it, there was no pretense of like ego oh, or yeah. vacuum. To me, I sat down next to him. We talked about haunted houses. We talked about <laughs> bizarre prison, like any bizarre. And there, there was never lulls in the conversation. It was just, and he was genuinely interested. And He's, it yeah. was really, really fun time. And I thought that was so cool that a guy like him would do that. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a thing, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's amazing though. He's such a, he's a really, really cool guy. And, uh, oh a huge fan too he's such a big fan of, oh, yeah. of the kind of stuff no, we do no he and not only that he he knows the different uh artists and the different genres like he he didn't know who i was when he met me at the the bookstore but the person behind him did know my work and was just like oh you're the doom patrol dude and, oh, and wow. he heard that and and I could tell that he must have gone home and looked me up somewhere because when he came the next morning he knew of my work. Oh, how he cool. Did, like that you did this, 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 this. And it, and it wasn't like this, like fake bullshit. Like yeah. he really was into this different stuff. And we talked about different comic book artists and yeah, he's like our patron patron saint, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to tell you, it, it, it really affected me when I, when I met him because I, I remember going home and thinking like, well, I, I, I had mixed feelings about it. Like on one hand, I was amazed that that happened, that, that my work, <laughs> that my work and somehow affected him enough to have him invite me to breakfast. Right. But I also, I also felt to be honest, I felt crushed that nothing came of it that right. other than breakfast, like I didn't get offered a, a, a job. He didn't commission me to do anything and we're not, you know, crime fighting buddies or anything like that. <laughs> He's just, you know, like he knows of me. So that's cool. Right. And, and some, but nothing came of it. And, and, it affected me to the point where I just was like, you know what? Here, here's what I got to do. I got to sit down. And from this point on, everything I do, I'm going to do it as if I'm doing it for a Del Toro film. Oh, great. And yeah. I just I really upped the, the ante on my, my, my work. I really, I stopped being lazy about things. I stopped hmm. being, you know, 
I, I wasn't just crapping stuff out anymore. And that was about the same time I encountered you. Well, we didn't oh, meet. Right. We crossed paths and I started doing the work for you. And I really, even with the, the conjoined, I was trying to push it and push it and push it and keep doing wow, interesting. Better, better and better and better stuff because everything I was doing, I was trying to do. Yeah. Let's. That's great. I mean, that's 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 taking something that didn't quite work out and turning it into something really positive. But I'll say, you know, the thing I'll say about Guillermo is that he is he is such a fan and he has so many fans that everybody it's like I, I want him to be on this podcast so badly. And if I probably really bothered him, he he probably would do it because he's that kind of guy. And yeah. but but there's so many people vying for his attention, especially now that he's got the Academy Award and everything that he's just pulled. I know I've asked him for favors before, and I kind of wish I hadn't because he's I know everybody. I know how it is. Once you get to a certain level, people ask you for things all the time. So it's kind of like you just can't yeah. be there for you, everybody, you know? The one thing I, I, I wish that I had done that I didn't was to just ask him if I could get a photo with him. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, like, right. <laughs> Hey, you know, thumbs up. I met Del Toro, but yeah. <laughs> no, whatever, you know, it, 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 it still was cool. And it still inspired me to, to grow and change. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I haven't, I think I have, I think that I really went through a metamorphosis over the past 10 years of, of just growing as an artist. And I, I think I'm doing things now that back in my comic book days i couldn't even conceive of i couldn't right. even think to to do this you know when i was doing comics i was so limited to to what i knew and, and terrified of of going beyond that and trying different things and, and well now there's like no job that people would come to me if they got the money ah you want you want 20 life-size tyrannosauruses riding skateboards boom you yeah. got it <laughs> <laughs> well how did how did you um go from the, the the comic book cover thing to doing what you're doing now because now you're you're just not just but you're like a, primarily a fine artist that's kind of doing your own work and selling and doing commissions right or do you do yeah yeah you don't yeah, do I a mean, lot of commercial I, work do you it's completely I exist completely on my own now it's just it's just a void you know like that I'm not connected to or affiliated with anything so uh, how did you I guess wind up here huh how did you wind up here how did that happen uh, well, the last, the last job job I had was, was after, after the thing with McFarland toys dried up, um, I ended up working for uh, a guy that did miniature golf things mm. like arch scale foam. And that was another thing where I just started refining and learning, you know, learning how to sculpt the giant, you know, squid or a life-size sperm whale or dinosaurs or whatever. And right. I, that's something that I carried into what I'm doing now. And, and it really was just a matter of, um, you know, after that dried up was right about the same time that I met Del Toro and you, and it was just like, I could either do what I did or I had to go find some kind of job. Right. So I, 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 my, my parents had just died and I had a little bit of an inheritance, you know, not, not, you know, massive amounts of money, but just enough money that I could kind of play. And I took that time and I, I worked and worked and worked and developed and developed and developed. And luckily we got things like Facebook now that really just kind of kicked in and uh, with Instagram and even patron where yes. 
we're not so reliant on other people uh, hiring us anymore. Right. We can we can do our thing and and find a following. You know, right? Yeah. It. I, I. I often wonder, like, what if what if this was like you know twenty years ago? How could this have affected or helped us? You know, it's like patron you know can, there, there are people that are, that are just living off of patron you know? yeah oh yeah okay. yeah and i i i i subscribe to your patreon so i would tell your patreon's really cool i've learned a lot of things off your patreon actually some of your techniques but um i would encourage yeah. everybody to go and you're ripping me off <laughs> <laughs> i'm supposed to be your friend I'm gonna now. hang up now <laughs> So yeah, I, I mean, had a guy. I had a guy do that once. Uh, a client of mine was commissioning like a bunch of clocks, like a ridiculous amount of clocks, like a, ten of them or so. Wow! And uh, you know, I was just turning them out, turning them out, and he was asking me questions, and I'm very, you know, I'll tell you everything I'm doing. I'm doing this. I did it this way. Did it that way. Step by step, I laid it out for him exactly how I did it. Sure enough, months later. The guys on eBay selling knockoffs of my clocks. Oh my god, really? Yeah, and he even went to the point of like copying my descriptions, like word for word, what and an put asshole. But again, it was just like you know, you look if you saw mine and his side by side, it it, it was no comparison, right? And, and even even that, even that instance, I I kind of looked at it and was like, you know what? If if people are going to do that, I'm just going to. I'm just going to try harder than I'm just going to take what they're taking from me and do it so much better that right. they can't touch me. That's the only, add, that's all you can do <laughs> really, yeah. you know, yeah. just keep up in the ante. You just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And it's like, you know, eventually somebody's going to do what you're doing. Eventually somebody's going to copy your technique. I mean, look how many people copy Giger, right? How many people try to do that kind of stuff? And, you know, it's like, they're not Giger. Right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> absolutely absolutely so um you uh, i mean was those clocks are really pretty pretty cool pretty amazing is that were those like a big seller seller for you or how did you that's come up so, with that's that? something that started it's such a started, great idea it, it it was it was it was a matter of um see back in in my comic book days there was this really awesome gallery in in manhattan called four color image gallery mm -hmm. uh and they the woman uh curator there uh laura she could sell anything she could sell my like every anything she got of mine was like boom it was gone wow it was like fantastic and at the time I was doing like the Doom Patrol covers and everything was going like pretty, you know, high price, like two, two grand and stuff like that. And she wanted some smaller things from me. And so I was just like, all right, I'll make something smaller. And I just started making these clocks and, uh, they, they kind of evolved. They, they used to be very different. They were more of a, they called them angel clocks because they were just like a, a, an angel face with these like pipes coming out of it and the eyes lit up. And, but it was that same basic frame and, mm -hmm. I, I just sold about a you know a hundred of them, and wow. then I just sculpting things inside the box instead of doing the angels, and then I called them monster clocks. And for a while, I was doing monsters, and I was going around to like uh, chiller conventions and stuff mm. like that. You know, it, it was it was it was always just something that was for people that liked my work but couldn't afford the high end stuff. Right, and yeah. it, it was it was a good thing for me to have them just to kind of have that 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 mid-range p 
piece to sell. Right. Although now, now they're, they're, you know, I put so much work into them that they're pretty much becoming the high. Range. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty amazing. They're really that, cool. That's one bad aspect about like what I told you about how Del Toro affected me was that maybe I went a little too far with it, that, that I'm too much of a perfectionist and I'm striving too hard to be perfect with everything and, mm -hmm. and kind of slowed down. So now I need to get to that balance of speed and still maintaining some degree of, I, right. you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. About. Yeah, definitely. It's hard though. It's, it's hard when you, when you care about what you're doing, it's hard not to, for, I feel, this is the way I feel. And it sounds like you do too. It's like, it's hard to not totally care about every piece you're doing and not want it to be the most amazing it can be, you know? Oh yeah. And, 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 you know, when, when you're doing sculptures, even there's like details and, and things that I do that no one is ever going I to know. see. Like, <laughs> no one is going to even see the inside of the mouth. Why right. am I sculpting the inside of the mouth? Or the back <laughs> of the ear or something. Yeah, yeah. the back of the ear, that, that vein on his neck that's underneath the shirt. Right. You know? <laughs> like, so many things that I just angst over. And, and I, I notice a lot, like I see some sculptors that are, out there and, and not even just sculptors even painters that that don't necessarily have the the same kind of understanding of form and anatomy but there's something else that they're doing there and it's sort of like if the work is clean it's almost better than the one that's anatomically accurate maybe a little bit sloppy you know right yeah 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 that's kind of i think that kind of comes from the the uh maybe from the uh what do you call them i don't know like the high-end figure market like uh yeah. you know uh completely blanking sideshow collectibles and stuff like oh, that yeah. you know which is cool i mean i i love super clean work but there is you know something cool about i love loose work as well you know but i don't know i like it all huh. um i what i like one thing i love about your your, the stuff that you're doing is everything's got this cartoony edge to it. <laughs> well, know? that goes back to submarine. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask you, it's like, how, how did you, how did you wind up there? Cause it's definitely signature. You, everything's uh, very distorted and cartoony, but well sculpted and realistic too. Like the skull, the skull one that I have where it's those skulls that are just all completely distorted. And uh, it's so cool. I just love it. It's kind of like, psychedelic in a way and cartoony it's just hard to ex explain i i think i think in in this aspect i come i come from a lot of the same stuff that jim mckenzie comes from and in fact we've talked about this he and i where growing up and looking at Rankin bass rudolph and freeze miser and mad monster party and like all those weird puppets i always was obsessed with those puppets oh yeah mad monster party was so amazing oh, mad monster <laughs> was one of those. and and kids today will they'll never understand because you could buy something on dvd and watch it anytime back when we were kids you just had to find stuff on tv and, yep. and the thing like i turn on the tv on a saturday morning and mad monster party was on yeah. and i'd have a shit fit i'd be like oh my god yeah it's on like once or twice a year maybe at one yeah. time only one yeah. time at a certain time yeah. <laughs> that was that was the one that was always hard to find but yet i always saw it and and again like just like just like yellow submarine that affected me the mad monster party same here just just because i i knew as a kid that that th those things existed 
I didn't know that they were stop motion animation puppets, mm-hmm. but I knew that they were real. They weren't drawn. Right. But in my head, I I swear to God, I imagined that they were giant robots, like not giant, <laughs> big sized robots that people were driving. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be one of those guys that drives the robots in, in Mad Monster Party. <laughs> And and I always wanted to have Freeze Miser. Freeze Miser was like my favorite. I wanted him. I was like, I gotta find him. You know, wherever he is. <laughs> yeah. I was I was a little bit strange as a kid. I used to write I used to write fan letters to Cornelius from Planet of the Apes. Oh no way! <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and, and he was he was on um on CBS. There was a a, a series of Planet of the Apes. Because beyond the movies, they did that 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 god awful series. Right. And I only knew that there's Cornelius and he's on CBS. So I would write my letters and I put them in an envelope and say, Cornelius, CBS. And I I used to write him so many freaking letters. And I remember I freaked out because Toys R Us had a sign in the window. They were like, you know, next month, meet Cornelius and Zira from Planet of the Apes. And I was like, oh, my God, Cornelius and you are going to be there. I was so excited. And every day I'd ride my bike up there. I don't know why I went up there every day. Every day I went to Toys R Us to see if they were there yet. And finally, finally, the, the day comes after waiting, you know, a month for this, this day to come. And I'm there. I'm there a, an hour early waiting for them. And out of the back stock room, finally, this, this jabroni with a fucking gorilla mask comes on. And I'm just like, that's the hell like even as a kid i knew that wasn't cornelius i was what a so off. So I, thought, I thought for sure he was getting my letters and that we were going to be friends oh my god that's so sad <laughs> it, just, it just never happened yeah that plan, yeah. planet of the apes was so huge when we were kids that was oh, like yeah. that it was kind of like star wars it was like it had this yeah. Oh, yeah. they had the toys i mean i i, I had the, the the figures and there was like a there was a like a treehouse toy that I remember I ordered, I'd mailed away for it. I remember going to the post office with my mom and getting the box and it was so cool. And then breaking my, um, Dr. Zayas on the first day, like the broke, broke one of the rubber bands or whatever that keeps the arms in. I was so bummed. Um, but yeah, it was huge. It was like a major, they had like a T they had the movies and then they had a, a TV show. And they may have had a cartoon even. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah, there was a lot about it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was I was obsessed. I was obsessed and I thought that they were real. I genuinely <laughs> thought one of the one of the things that really confused me too was that Cornelius was on um the Carol Burnett show. Oh really? as Cornelius. Yeah. Wow. Remember as Cornelius with a tuxedo. And I was, I was like, see, I told you he's real. That's that's Cornelius. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't be wearing a tuxedo on the Carol Burnett show if he wasn't real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, I, I just remember not really understanding that movies were not, you know, real. Right, right. I had such a different, different expectation of of what those those were, and and you know, it's like now you watch Star Trek and you know that that's not a rock cave that they're in, and it's just a tarp covered in plaster and spray painted yeah <laughs> yeah i you know i i i never thought about this because i was thinking you know what what point did i start putting putting things together because i was a big movie fan of course and um when i was a kid my sister she had a filmmaking class at her school and for some reason i guess because i could draw or whatever they 
she told me she's like cut out a bunch of pictures from magazines and then tomorrow we're going to let you come in. I was probably like five or six. I was really young. We're going to let you come into the school and make an animated movie. And so I didn't, I, I just cut out these pictures from magazines. Really? It was, I wish I had it. I lost it, but it's amazing. Super eight. It's so fucking weird. It's like total Terry Gilliam, Monty Python yep. stuff. Oh, Terry Gilliam, That's another one. Yeah. Yes. Right. But they, they had a setup with the camera and they would like, okay, here's what you do. You got to, here's how it works. You move this, take a picture, move this, take a picture. And from that point on, I, I understood how all animation worked. So it's like, at that point I was able to realize, <clears throat> you know, that, that this was something that people made in this really unusual way. And then after that, I started getting to, I guess, probably when I was around nine or 10, I, um, found my dad's super eight camera. I started making movies and stop motion clay movies and stuff like that. You know, it was really into it, really into, into filmmaking when I was a kid. Super fun. That's funny because, because I, I was very much like that in, in high school. Uh, I, I met this kid that, that did that and he got me into it. And through, throughout all high school, I imagined that I was going to go on to be a filmmaker. Right. That's what I was thinking before I got into effects. That was my plan. Yeah, yeah, I was totally, totally geared for it, and and like you, got a whole slew of horrible, horrible super <laughs> movies that are just, you know, uh, you you look at the the movies that the kids are making now with the digital stuff. Mm -hmm. I sound like a an old geezer, you know, <laughs> but uh, like they have they have access to so much stuff that they can do so many cool things with that. We we. I remember we filmed a, a horror movie. We did this like like live action monster movie where the the monster was going to be a clay animated monster. Uh -huh. But we did uh we shot it day for night using blue filters. Oh wow, that's pretty advanced. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Back in those days, you know, you 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 filmed your Super 8, you know, and then you just put it in the mail and you sent it off to Kodak and they develop it. Right. Kodak that the filmings was like it's all blue and they corrected it oh no really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sucks so, that got, yeah that got ruined but of, i mean those things were horrible but it'd be it'd be fun to get back into it now but mm -hmm. i don't i don't think i'd ever want to do super eight again although i do miss the the whole physical aspect of the splicing and the editing the film thing yeah, like that taping taping the film together and it has a it does have a really neat look i was watching this some Nixon documentary the other night and the, it was, it was all, it was all made from super eight footage that someone on his uh, team took. And yeah. it was like, man, that looks really actually really great. It was all outdoors and proper lighting and stuff, but it's like, it had a really for, for, for a consumer level thing back then in the, in the uh, late sixties, early seventies, it looked pretty amazing. It's like, that's got a cool feel to it. I think if you had like a decent, professional kind of camera mm. and you had a good uh processing right that's so true it that, would be great. everything was probably that was the part that always kind of fucked it up because you, you you finish it and you you toss your roll in the in the mail and then it's beyond your control yeah right same thing with with 35 millimeter i can't tell you how many sculptors sculptures i've finished that i have absolutely no record of because i didn't have a digital camera at the time right you know yeah. we had a we had to take things with 35 millimeter yeah, camera. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, 
you keep your fingers crossed and like, oh, God, I hope I got good shots of all this. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, a week later, it's, there's your thumb. And then you were supposed <laughs> to get, you're supposed to get slides for your portfolio for some yeah, reason. Yeah, slides yeah. <laughs> seems so quaint now. You know, know. Your, your stuff would be just, it would be amazing if you made little stop motion movies of your guys. I mean, that would be amazing. It, it, there, there's actually the way I do my time lapses. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm moving to, I got, I got a DSLR camera now, but, um, on my iPhone, I found this app. I tried a few and I found this one called Oh snap. It's an app and, um, it, you can do use it for time lapses, but you can also use it for stop motion. And it's got onion skinning too. So you can see a ghosted image of the last thing you nice. took. It's, nice. it's amazing. You could on your phone, you could make like a better stop motion than we could have made when we were kids and yeah. a whole super Definitely. setup. Definitely. And, and with all the editing and, and, and sound quality stuff that you could do now. Yeah. It might be great. Like promotion just to make a, like a 30 second promo video with your guys. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, there was, there was a guy that used to do uh back in the days when the sci-fi channel was on, he had this like stop motion lady that was like, black horns and white skin and she would come out and do like the little uh sci-fi channel you know mm -hmm. tags or whatever you want to call them like the mpv logo right oh like stop motion animation with bugs and stuff like that yeah this kind of stuff would be fun to do definitely want to get back into something like that whether it's theatrical stuff or filmmaking you know like I love doing, you know, haunted houses and things like that. Oh, I used yeah. to do time as a kid. Same here. You know, set up a couple of sheets in the garage and that was you know, some guy hiding with a mask behind. Him. Oh yeah. That was like, that was the kids a nickel to go through and scare <laughs> the hell out of them. That, that was the, uh, that was the fun thing that we would do like a friend being a friend. We'd sleep over at each other's houses and then it would be like, we're going to make a haunted house in the, in the bedroom. <laughs> and it's like the only people to see it are your sister or your brother or your parents. Yep. And it's like, you know, you get monofilament and you have a whole pulling things and you have a whole storyline. <laughs> so much fun, yeah. man. And then the, uh, and then the yeah. Alfred Hitchcock, uh, record. Remember that vinyl Alfred Hitchcock oh, yeah. ghost stories record. Yeah. That would always be playing. <laughs> All those, uh, you know, the Walt Disney ones mm -hmm. and the, Who's got my skinny toe? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Those are the days, man. I got the space for it now. I might as well do it. You know, have yeah. a little haunted house over here. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> haunted art, <laughs> haunted art studio. <laughs> there was this, uh, haunted house when I was a kid growing up in Jersey, it was called scream in the dark. Mm -hmm. And it was the most terrifying haunted house thing I've ever been through in my life. It, it, I, insane, insane stuff. Like they, they build like mazes that you'd have to walk through. I remember this one room where, where the, uh, the floor was a waterbed. Oh, so you'd cool. walk in and you're like, you're going up and down and everything. <laughs> there were strobe lights flashing all over the place. It's super and, dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everything was painted black and white. And, and so you're walking into this room, you're disoriented and you're, you're on a waterbed. And all of a sudden, there's these little people, little guys, you know, with like hoods that kind of like Jawas that are like walking around in the room and they'd be up in your face and then they disappear. Right. And then like right up next to you, and then all of a sudden they'd be gone. 
And this, this, this haunted house used to scare me so much. And the funniest thing about it was it was run by a, a Christian youth group. <laughs> I, that's, I was going to say the same thing. The one that we had, it was called Campus Life. Campus yes! Life. Is that it? Is the same? Really? And you'd go through this hor- horrifying haunted house. It was really scary, really for its time, too. It was, you know, this is like the 70s, I think. Yeah, and, yeah, and it was like you know, it's all this evil shit and scary stuff. Yeah, yep. And you get for for ours, you'd get to the they'd take you into a room at the end, and then they and would show you show you a movie about Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't a movie; it was a guy with our thing. It was a guy who would basically give us everyone little Bibles and explain uh-huh. about <laughs> Jesus, and uh, you know, ask if anybody wanted to accept the Lord Jesus as their personal savior. And you had to do that in order to to get out so it was like they wouldn't let you out until you did this <laughs> that's the scariest part about it <laughs> right it probably wasn't even a christian group it was just <laughs> it was just part of the this part of the this part of the attraction <laughs> this will save the scariest room for last <laughs> the, the, it's just, it's hysterical because when i got into high school i joined campus life just to be part of scream in the dark oh, wow. and they stopped doing it oh, i was really? like you're kidding me <laughs> Yeah, it was chance. Yeah, it was amazing. It was actually. I don't even believe in Jeebus. I wonder if uh, (laughs) I wonder if there's any record of it online because it was like a big thing. It was the big haunted house in in, uh, Southern California, from what I remember. It it was it was big out here, too. I mean, uh, right before I started going, like it was it was one of these things where they didn't let anyone under 18 in. Oh, right. And they used to do it in an old house and oh, there were like parts where trap doors would open and you'd, you'd, you'd literally go down a chute and end up in the yard. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like people were getting hurt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No safety <laughs> so, codes. Like they would, they would have like those Willy Wonka kind of things where the room would be getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And you got to walk down the, right. the hallway and people getting stuck in the hallway yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> You know, they had to crawl through little holes and things like it was just crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and and yeah, the most horrific, you know, like like you go through one room and there'd be like a guy on a table with a pendulum cutting him in half and yeah. someone else pulling his intestines out. Yeah. And then you go, then, then you go at the end, have you accepted Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the idea is that they they're like trying to scare you into you know <laughs> using it as an opportunity it's it was so demented really though when you think about it really demented um you know this kind of gets to the what we were talking about before we started recording um that I, <laughs> what's that the panther oh, yeah, <laughs> kind of <laughs> actually it was more like you know wanting to do like yeah i want to make movies i want to do stop motion and you know i'm i imagine you're feeling the way I'm feeling at uh, age 52, I'm feeling like my time's running out. I can't yes. spread myself too thinly. I have to be like, I have to make sure that I'm doing the best thing I can be doing because, you know, right. my time's running out. No more out. Of time. Exactly. And, and then yeah. is, is also the, you know, we used to be able to, like you were talking about earlier before we started recording, how we used to be able to pull these all-nighters and it wasn't a big deal. And yeah. uh, it's hard to do all night. Like I, I swear, I swear everybody who's listening that Bain art show I did for the administrators, that's going to be the last all nighter. I, well, 
I might do one here or there if I, if I have to, but I'm not going to, that's not going to be part of my thing anymore. I can't physically do it anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I was, I was telling you before, you know, I, I can't do it, but I used to do it a lot. I used, I used to go, it was, it was pretty normal for me to go three, four days without sleep. Jeez. And like I told you that one time I had, yeah. What happened? <laughs> tell, tell me that. Cause I cut you off an entire month without any sleep and none at all none none but you gotta i'll I'll tell you there there were there were weird circumstances that triggered it and it just it it was like a it was like a a a reaction to grief and and other things and it just sort of sent me into this weird kind of uh almost like your third eye opens kind of thing like like you just feel very aware very very mystical mystical experience kind of Yes, it was it was very much like that, very much like a mystical shamanistic thing where I suddenly I didn't have any anxiety. I didn't have any uh, no negative stuff in me. Like wow. it was just gone. And I felt I felt like I did as a kid. Right. You know, I were feeling like like great. And and like I said, I went I went a month with no sleep. And by the end, I was hallucinating so much that I thought I was turning into a panther. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot. That's a big hallucination. I just, I just just remember sitting in my my apartment. It was like about three in the morning, and I'm just like, okay, I'm going for a run. And I just ran out the door and just ran down the street and (laughs) ran into the woods. And I'm just like booking and booking and booking, and I just like. Somehow I, I ran right into the middle of a, a, a pack of deer and I wow. scared the shit out of them. That's amazing. And they started running, but they were running the same way I was going. So like for like five minutes, I was running with these deer wow. <laughs> thinking, thinking I was turning into a leopard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, okay, this is hilarious talking about it now, uh, but, and, and especially within the context of being, you know, an American in a, you know, in American society, but that is like kind of legitimate, legitimately a, a shamanistic kind of experience that, that, yeah, that, yeah. People, I, I mean, told, I told saw it that way. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of amazing that you, wow, it's weird. I didn't know that, that, that so you had like, was, it was, uh, you don't have to get specific, but you had like a really bad, there was yeah. a lot of grief and a really bad experience. And that just kind of like, did well, something it was, it was like suppressed grief. Okay. And- and building up and building up and building up and it, then like it just snapped or something like it just or did it well, gradually it, get there it's like a the, the 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 trigger to it was a uh, a breakup uh-huh. but that wasn't the thing that i was having grief about that was just that was just the thing that set it off the breaking point it was it was like the excuse for me to feel the grief right if you yeah absolutely yeah and the weird thing was that the, the grief just wasn't there it was just, just like, like euphoric. It was just like being wide open. Uh, I, I like the analogy of like, imagine you're walking down the street with a heavy bundle, you know, and you, you got a destination and you're carrying this heavy bundle. But at one point you put the bundle down and you just sort of arch your back and you're like, ah. right. You know, it's like that. That's a full it's on. Kind of, you're, you're there. You, you know, you can't stay there. You, you can't be in that because you got somewhere to go and you still got all this crap you got to carry. Right. But for that minute, that moment, you're not, it's just, that's a full on ego death experience. That's a full on yes. mystical yes. ego death. Yes. 
mean, yes. and that's like we've talked about this when Mike and used to be on the podcast. We talk about all this crazy spiritual stuff, and um, you know, ego. You can get an ego death experience from psychedelics. You can get it from uh, you know having a near death experience. And but mm-hmm. one of the things that, that's common with that is like a traumatic experience, like some kind of in, intense emotional pain or grief can can do that and it's just like uh that's like that eckhart tolle you know that guy eckhart tolle he's like, sounds- he's like a spiritual teacher guy now his stuff's actually really pretty amazing but he had he had an experience like that where he was super depressed suicidal he was going to kill himself he had nothing to live for and <clears throat> he got so low that he said, what was, there was some weird, he, he thought, you know, there is, there's nothing, there's no God. I'm nothing matters. And, and I'm a, I'm terrible. I'm a horrible person. And something dawned on him. He thought, well, what is this voice in my head then? Who is that? And who am I? And for some reason that made him just, that made the thing happen. And he went yeah. into this mystical state where he, exactly what you're describing, everything was, there was all the weight was lifted. He felt like pure spirit. And, you know, I think it lasted for days or something for him. I'll tell you what was weird about it too, was that I could see when people were lying to me, like if people were, were telling me this <laughs> stuff, their facial features would be clouded Whoa. and like phases and stuff like that. I would see, I could, I could, it was weird too because I'm I'm very shy, believe it or not. I'm very awkward with women. But when I was in this state, I just approached this woman that was beyond anything that I would ever approach, and just like boom, got her to have coffee with me, wow. and like just locked her eyes on my eyes, and it was just like <laughs> this weird, like it was almost like being a Jedi in a sense. Like right. you had this weird power, like you you were no longer at the 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 whim of other things. You were the guy steering, you right. were the guy making decisions and you could control every day and everything. And it was, it was kind of cool. And I wanted it to, to last, but, right, of course, you know, eventually I had to sleep. Yeah. You know, and I, <laughs> so were you <laughs> a Panther? Yeah. <laughs> That's a full on mystical experience, man. That's a full I, on I've had, I've had darker uh, experiences too. Like I've had a lot of uh, night terrors mm-hmm. and, uh, sleepwalking and all that kind of stuff throughout my life so so you're you're connected you're you're connected you're connected you've got that connection uh apparently i've had that too ever since i turned around 12 we were just talking about this on the last episode of the bear mar um i used to have these things where i'd be stuck in my body and these scary things would be there and i would like you know out of body type floating around and the sense of darkness and pure evil being in the room with you and stuff like that. It's a trip, man. You ever um, see that movie insidious where the kid goes out of his body and something else comes in his body. Yeah. Yeah. I had something like that. Really? Where tell me, I felt I was outside of my body and like, I can tell that to you and I know you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, not talking some bullshit, you know, flighty, I'm talking legitimately. I felt like I was gone and something that I encountered out there realized that I wasn't in my body. Whoa. And it started heading back. Oh my my God. That's so scary. I knew like, holy shit, I got to get back to my body. 
And so I'm racing back to my body and I'm trying to get in, trying to force myself to wake up. I'm like, come on, wake up, wake up, wake up. Wake up. And finally, <clears throat> I sat up in my bed, wide awake, and I swear I'm not making this up. At my door, I heard slam against the door and just this like, <gasps> oh my God, that's amazing. I sat there like, what the fuck was that? You know? <laughs> that is really scary. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea you had experienced all this stuff. I had no idea. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. No, it's not, a, it's not exactly, you know, shit that comes up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, uh, uh, my mind is reeling. That's amazing. No, I totally get it, man. I've, I've had similar situations like that. Not where I was turning into a panther, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> So did, did did that state it did it last a month where you were feeling that for a month or did it come and go or it it was a it was a wide awake fully alert kind of like I don't, I don't even know how to explain it because I've never had anything even remotely close to it but right. yes it lasted the entire month and I wasn't even eating wow uh, everybody around me was concerned about me and they'd be like bringing me out go you got to eat and I just had I had no appetite Barry was drinking anything and uh, just wide awake, just wide, wide awake, like like not fatigued, not tired, not feeling, not that weird insomnia kind of feeling, which right. is wide awake, wide awake. That's incredible. I could, perfectly. I could function better than normal. Right. Have, did you did 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 you start looking into that stuff afterwards? Did you wonder what the hell just happened for the last month or? I just kind of accepted it for like what you said it was, you know, like, like that sort of a thing. And I, I, I didn't really look into it because I just, it is what it was to me, you know, right. I don't need to know what it was to somebody else or what somebody else thinks about right. it. I just know what it was and how it affected me and what it meant to me. For me, it was sort of a flushing out of things that needed to be flushed out. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel after when you got back to normal, did you feel different? Yes, yes and no. Um, at, at the time I had been going through, um, I had torn a, uh, my rotator cuff. Mm. And the weird thing is when I went through the, the snap, my rotator cuff was fine. Wow. And as soon as I went back into that, that thing, it was, it was almost like, remember, have you ever watched Joe versus the volcano? Yeah, not for a while, but I have seen it. Hanks accepts the fact that he's going to die. There's no more fear. Right. He doesn't have any of this. He he's totally living in the moment and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But the minute that he is okay at the end, and he realizes he's not going to die, he starts to like go back into that. You know, like oh, you know, like oh, I'm worried about this. I'm worried right. about. This. He starts to have like oh, but what about this? You know. Yeah. So it it's very much just the absence of fear and holding on to fear and yeah. The ego, you know, it's the ego. Yeah. That, I mean, I've, I've had, uh, I've had experiences like that when I was, uh, had psychedelic trips and it's, it's like you reach a threshold, you start getting freaked out and you relax into it and know that you're going to be fine. And then you go to this and then you cross the threshold and then you're like free and you're like, Oh, this is how I am. This is how everything yeah. is. It's all, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to be afraid of. And then. Right. Uh, you know, when like, like 
were a kid. Exactly. Like when we were a kid and, and, and things line up. Like I've had experiences where I was, you know, when I was 18, 19, when I first uh, tripped, I cut the couple times we did it. It's like you get in that state and then things just click and everything kind of works. Like I had two friends, me and me and a friend and uh, another friend and his girlfriend. We started off on one part of town and we started tripping and, um, they got, they left and we, they went one way, we went the other way. And at the end of the whole thing, we just were walking all around San Pedro, um, just having fun. And at the very end of it, we're just walking along all the way, like miles across town, this bus pulls up next to us. And then they get out of the bus, <laughs> like literally <laughs> when we're walking by and it's almost like, you know, they just got out right as we were walking by the door. And it's like, it's like it, you're in, when you have, when you, I guess when you, um, don't have that that second guessing what's that synchronicity yeah right yeah it's like when you don't have that um your ego second guessing all of your decisions all the time and you're just like in the flow and you're just going with things then things yeah. just kind of line up and work better definitely you know? definitely That's I, I you know you were you were asking like what i felt afterwards and 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 you know I, I I can't really tell you so much other than uh, I just felt normal and like I felt like you lo you lost a, a piece of magic. But uh, I have this little character. Maybe you've seen him. I don't know. Um, I call him the fool, and he's basically me. And mm -hmm. it's just this character that I draw and I sculpt him, and he's a guy in a white mask. Mm -hmm. And that came from that. Oh, it came wow. from that, that whole thing. Like he sort of evolved out of that and became the way that I kind of express a lot of the things that I'm feeling, or at least I should say he's what I want to use because I don't really get the chance to, right. you know, because I'm <laughs> doing other stuff. But, uh, that's cool, man. He, he started off <clears throat> as just a little scribble that I was doing of, of this guy chasing a flying heart. And he had this horrible forlorn face. It was just horrible looking. And uh, I just, you know, that's what I was feeling at the time. I just felt, yeah. you know, love just beyond my reach. I, I, I always wanted it and can't ever get it. And I was just so depressed and, and lonely. And I drew this and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, Who, who's going to want that? And I put a mask on him. And it's a smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's <laughs> brilliant, suddenly, man. That's brilliant. Suddenly, people think he's cute. Right. <laughs> They, they don't know that he's still the same guy underneath the mask. Right. You, know? I, you know what though? I don't know that I, I don't know that people wouldn't get the subtext necessarily. Cause that's pretty, that's a pretty, that's an amazing idea. Chasing a heart and he's got a mask on with a smiley face. That's like, that's fucking great, man. A lot of people don't get a lot of things. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's true. But something, sometimes things will resonate on a subconscious level. I believe, right. you know, right. Especially when it's a really strong idea like that, that, you know, like is it's true. It's real. Yeah. You know, it came from a yeah. real place kind of works on this other level. I think, you know, I, I see too, that the, the, the whole idea of putting the mask on him allowed me to do self portraits without literally drawing me and allows other people to think that it's them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, that's all of us. That's yeah. everybody. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that the ego is a mask, you know, and everybody's got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and most of us put on a happy face. <laughs>
Uh, yeah, maybe when I was younger I tried, but I sure as hell don't put it on now. <laughs> I'm a grumpy old guy, and fuck it, I don't care. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to pretend to be happy for anybody anymore. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's. I I I'm the I'm the guy that will have no problem sitting with someone in the car or an elevator for an hour and not saying a word because I don't feel like talking. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to make small talk with people. <laughs> Yeah, that's a thing that comes with age, which is nice, which is you stop, yeah, you stop, yeah. you just, it's like you get left self, less self-conscious in that way, I think, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and just less concerned about what other people feel or think. Exactly. About, yeah, especially about, you know, what they think of you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. Exactly. Wow. That's really cool. I think uh, my work is more important, I guess, to me. What do you mean? I, I create oh, exception for right. my work. I don't really care if people accept me. Right. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah, that's the way I feel too. It's like, uh, you know, the work speaks for for itself. If you want to, if you want to know me, then look at the work, you know? Yeah. Basically. And, and, and look hard at the work because, you know, just like I look like a biker kind of, or whatever. I look like big, long hair and beard. And, um, I'm not like a tough guy at all. It's like, kind of like, would never I would never think that of you. I don't think you look like a biker or a tough guy at all. To me, you look like exactly what you look like. Okay. <laughs> well, you're 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 seeing for me for how I am. I don't know. You know, I don't look my 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 disposition is generally more would be more like a I don't know, kind of like a short haired uh regular person that's kind of positive and upbeat. I don't know. It just doesn't I don't know. Maybe you're like I'm a hippie. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of, kind of like a hippie, <laughs> kind of like a cynical hippie. <laughs> you're, you're like a hippie, and I'm like a Klingon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> hey, as long as we're being who we are, exactly, exactly. I'm not going to pretend to be a Ferengi or a, you know, right. I am what I am. Yeah, yeah. That's that's uh that's great though. That is that's one of the gifts of of age, of old age. <laughs> Not old age, but as we get older, you know, you can that's just like, you know, we, when you were a kid, you always wondered why like old people dressed all weird. I'm thinking, oh, they dress in these old clothes and and they have these hairstyles that aren't cool and it's like and now that I'm approaching it and getting older, it's like I don't give a fuck. I don't like, I'm not wearing stylish stuff. My hair (laughs) is the style it is because I don't cut it. That's it. (laughs) It's my beard. I don't cut it. And it's like, and it's just because it's, it's easier for me that way. And I don't care what people think. I really don't. And it's such a, I don't even shower. Yeah. (laughs) I'll go days, (laughs) days, months. And it's like, you, you, uh, it's it's kind of a relief. It's one of the things I really enjoy about getting older, you know. Because I used to really, you know, everybody does when they're younger. They feel very like, I don't know. They got to fit in, even if you're in like a weird kind of group. You still have to kind of fit in the weird group. Just like you're, you're worried about what people think and how you, you know, if yeah, your shirt looks yeah. okay and all this stuff. Definitely, and, and there, there's there's at least you know for me definitely a. Uh, uh, a strong desire to want the opposite sex to be attracted to you. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta look good for the ladies. Right. Gotta, now it's just like, what the fuck? I, you know, anybody, <laughs> anybody come to this door for this, uh, you gotta be one hell of a woman for, for this. 
<laughs> oh man. Uh, I don't know. You look you look cool to me, so but you know, look look at how I look, so that's not say, saying much. <laughs> From one slob to another, you look great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we're artists, so we we get away with that's it. That's right. You know? We there's so few benefits to being an artist that you, you gotta grab whatever you can. And one of them is 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 being sloppy and not really uh being all super cool looking and all that you can get away with it (laughs) that's what i always say but um okay one thing that that was that was heavy man i didn't realize we're gonna get heavy that's amazing i'm I'm very excited i love when that happens but i do want to take it back to the real not the real world but the material world and i wanted to ask you about like technical issues on what you're doing because my understanding, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, is you're not really molding and casting anything. It's like foam. You're you're doing foam sculpting, and then you're mm-hmm. using like uh, um, super sculpty or epoxy putty or epoxy clay. And I'm just curious about your process. It, it varies from piece to piece, but if you're talking about the larger stuff or even the skulls that you were excited mm-hmm. about, it's it's plaster. Oh, plaster. It's plaster. I've always plaster. wanted to sculpt in plaster. I always thought that would be really because there's a certain point in plaster that you can really do stuff with it like you could smooth it yeah. in the during the yeah. drying stage and it's like you can carve it really nicely yep i've always wanted to do that that's cool for for doing certain things i think plaster is the most amazing you know if you're going to do bone plaster is the best wow. because it will, it will it will take the paint in such a way that yeah. it's just like minimal effort and boom it looks like a bone that's it's, true there's a bone the now, real bone. Yeah. Are you using a like uh, pottery plaster or hydrocal or a specific? You go to Hopo and get the plaster Paris. Oh wow! Yeah, that stuff sets up pretty quick, doesn't it? Uh, relatively quick, you know. And and I'll I'll do it in layers, and um, I just use the um, the insulation foam, the, the the pink sheets that you buy. These oh. big foam and then you cut it down to cubes or whatever use some of that expandable great stuff foam sandwich it all together into blocks carve it all up brush on your plaster shellac it carve it sand it wow (laughs) and what's great about it is it's insanely lightweight and pretty durable you know like there were a couple pieces that i sent out to you at uh Copra. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you remember the big um, Frankenberry kind of skull. It had oh, ears yeah. coming out of the head. Of course, that was yeah. all done. That it was it was just plaster on rigid foam. Wow, it's amazing. It's amazing that it didn't get smashed. I guess well, it was pretty... send it back. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that sucks. <laughs> yeah. How yeah, how, okay. how bad was it? Uh, one of the. Uh, Things and pipes that came out of his head was kind of pushed up against oh, his head. Shit. It looked like when they were wrapping it with the foam, they they pulled it. Oh no, really? Which is why I had a special foam piece that fit right in there. Oh but shit! I'm sorry about it, that. I fixed it, and that piece sold, and it's it's oh, good, good. Yeah, that was an amazing piece. I wanted I wanted that piece, but you know, if I if I bought every piece, I, I wouldn't be able to board, afford any piece that I want. We'll do another trade. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So, okay. But there are some other ones where you are sculpting in clay. Like like you've got a Nosferatu that I think I saw recently. 
Yeah, yeah. The Nosferatu, that's super sculpy. Oh, okay. Are you, yeah. what are you what are you using for uh for an uh an armature for that? Nothing. Really? Maybe a little like I like I'll make a little uh aluminum foil ball okay. and sculpt on that. But it's it, I mean I know the people listening can't really see that, but it, oh, it's yeah. just a little head. Oh, let, let me it, do, it, let me take a screen hold it up on or take a screen capture. Is that good? Yeah. That's great. So cool. I love it. It, uh, you know, it, it's it's just a head. You know, there, there's really nothing that needs an armature in there. Isn't there an and, arm? Or the, I, I just wasn't there. Like, there arm? is, there is, but he he's going in a box like the oh, clocks. Okay, okay. So it's all kind of like. Uh, oh, I see. That's great. Like that sort of a thing. So so it, it'll all be self-contained within the box. And that was another thing about the the clocks. You know, when you were asking about how they came about. It's also a way to make a sculpture that's protected and shippable because right. they're all square. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like even even the smaller pieces that I was doing for Copro, the the guy coming out of the ear and the mouth and stuff yeah. like that, they were box pieces that were pretty easy to package up and, that's and true. get out. That's true. It also makes it hangable, which helps for selling. Right. You know, because people have more uh, wall space, I think, than they do for things to be set down in their homes you know but i, I work a, i work a little bit in sculpey i work a little bit in the foam um i i got this new stuff i got to try out cosplay have you heard anything about yeah. this yeah i haven't yeah, tried I it try yet that. and uh every once in a while i'll do something in castelline because it's just kind of fun to to work with mm -hmm. which is similar to monster clay i guess yeah i haven't used castelline and god for a long time that was going around before monster clay yeah. uh that's what a lot of guys were using i think for toys maybe or yeah that that's where i got into it from mcfarland toys Oh, okay and is, is it harder or softer than monster clay i've never worked with monster clay mm. so i don't um i probably should be a little more uh experimental with stuff because i feel like i'm very out of date because mm -hmm. i'm using what people were using back in 1990 right. and there's a lot of stuff that's changed since then yeah there there's so many new products i remember when when i was starting out as a sculptor they didn't even have super sculpey oh yeah no we had that that white stuff the regular sculpey right. that was like talk yeah. you know <laughs> so it'd make something that would be crumbling apart and it'd be like oh this is oh, this is awful yeah yeah i remember that but stuff now, now you could now especially with the internet and you have all these different people that are developing different materials and there's so much to choose from oh yeah there's tons and tons of stuff um what, what are you smoothing things with on the super scope using like uh turpinoid or something uh just turpentine actually oh turpentine. but it's the, uh, the english distilled turpentine so it's a little little less uh but I don't, I don't do, I don't do a whole lot of that. Like I'll, I'll smooth out once I've, you know, finished the sculpture. Um, just give it a little bit of that, and then I pop it in the oven. Or I'll use the turpentine when I'm doing, you know, uh, bonding the 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 uncooked to the cooked. You know, right? I'll, you know, put on the turpentine and then just splatter the uncooked stuff into it. Right. But. I try I try more and more to just finish the sculpture without any of that. Right. Me 
Me too. That's, that's a- like the last, the last thing that I do. Yeah. I, I look at, I've, I've been looking at a lot of these doll artists and, and <clears throat> the way they work so clean. And, and, and one of the things I, I started uh, recently trying different painting techniques where I'm not doing the opaque anymore, doing the tinting of the super sculpey to let that be the flesh tone, you know, right. see a lot of the doll artists do that. And it, and it really makes them look more lifelike, yeah. you know, like I yeah. did that with the, I don't know if you saw the Clint Eastwood clock that, yeah. I, I, that was painted that way. Oh, cool. And it, it's, it's a very different uh, way to think. So, so I, you want to preserve the integrity and the purity of this, the Sculpey as much as you can. But in my filthy studio with dogs running around and everything, there's hair and dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever done any molding and casting? A little bit, a little bit. I, I, you've, you've seen the ornaments I do. Yeah. Those are cast. Those are all cast. Okay. And uh, my, my molding and casting uh, abilities are, are, Bare minimal. Uh, one of the things that I did at McFarland Toys was I was one of the guys that would take the the bad castings and I would clean them up and fix them. Mm-hmm. So if like they they sculpted an arm and they made a mold and then a part of it was missing, I would be the guy that would put that back in to make the hard copy for the, the tooling pattern. Mm-hmm. So I got really good at fixing bad castings, and that made me a lazy mold maker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because I just like oh, I can fix it later, right. <laughs> you know. So I'm like pulling out, you know, chunks of rubber off things, and you know, I'm just think, missing. I'm just thinking with, uh, you know, if you got more into molding, it's 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 easier to make money because you can do multiples and not yeah. have a sculptor yeah. from scratch. You know, with especially with smaller pieces, like I don't I don't do many big sculptures, but. The thing is, my background is, um, you know, makeup effects and everything's molded. It's like right. the, the clay is, you know, Chavant, uh, uh, NSP medium. It's the uh, it's it's oil based and it never dries out. And um, that's just like the tradition I'm from. So it's like I'm just like, oh, if you sculpt it, use this clay and then you mold it. The good thing about the Chavant is it's. It's so nice to sculpt in. I know with Sculpey and some of the other materials, it's like you kind of fight. I mean, I'm sure you're used to it by now and how to work with it, but um, it's just got such a great feeling. Have you ever done any oil-based clay stuff? A little bit. Not not much any of anything within recent years. It feels so good to sculpt on. It's really fun, but you do have to mold it. You know, it's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind molding, you know, I, I'd like to get better at it. Uh, and I like one of the things that you do, like the frames, that mm. the frame that's on the painting that I got from you, uh, that material is, is seems pretty cool as hell. What is that? Oh, that is, um, oh God, it's smooth on. I had Lee Shamel do that. Cause that's, that mold is, that's too big for me. I don't want to do stuff. <laughs> that's just too big. So I, I farmed it out okay. to him. He's great. Lee, Lee is amazing. Um, smooth on god what's it called d i gotta look uh it's called it's like it's a it's a urethane resin but um most it's very lightweight too it it almost seemed like it was like an expandable foam kind of thing yeah it wasn't it was this urethane and the cool thing about it is it's shatterproof so normally um uh urethane resins if that like if that was a cast in a traditional resin and it fell off the wall it would shatter for sure 
um, wow. because it's brittle. But uh, that's what I, you know, I make the smaller, my smaller casts out of urethane resin. But um, this stuff has, it's sl slightly, slightly plasticized, even though you wouldn't know it by feeling it. But if it dropped, it would bounce and it wouldn't shatter, right. which is kind of amazing. So um, have you ever done uh, any metal stuff? I did want my, my uh, best friend in high school, his father had a jewelry shop and I did one ring. I made this like sculpted it in clay and we did the whole lost wax, wax process, cast it in silver. And so I Ooh. did one time <laughs> that was, that's quite a, quite a chore though. You have to have a lot of special equipment. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like even, even with uh, the, the molding and casting, like what you're talking about, it, 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 it seems easier, but sometimes when you're, you're racing to just get something done and right. get it out, that's, that's a delay and it's another expense. I know. I know. Yeah. It takes, it's cool. It's, I mean, it is cool to, to have the immediate, the, the immediacy of I'm, I sculpted this and it's, that's it. <laughs> and the fact and I, find, I find that a lot of collectors appreciate that. Yeah. A yeah. Lot of want just like there was one guy that wouldn't buy anything that was cast and right. duplicated yeah and we get pissed off if, if if i ever made anything close to what i made for him for somebody else right you know? it's it's like People the difference between an original painting and a print basically right you right. know um it's kind of like a hand embellished print because hand embellished yeah. prints you, you paint on it so there's a little bit of the artist touch in it but it's a it's a it's a duplicate uh, replication or whatever but um yeah, so that is kind of a, it's kind of a selling point, but it's also, you can only sell it once, <laughs> you know? I kind, of, I kind of like the idea of having both. I, I like I like doing original one-of-a-kinds, and and the, I really like working with the plaster. Plaster is a fun medium to work with, but I'm definitely, definitely allergic to it. You're allergic and, to uh, plaster? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm allergic to just about everything I work with, including dogs, by the way. I'm oh, allergic wow. to dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I, I don't know if you if you saw um the large skeleton that i made he's a upright bass playing skeleton with a big head i'm not sure if i've seen that well i'll send you pictures of him but uh i sculpted him out of plaster and this was like a little bit before i was doing uh the stuff for conjoined so it was like right before i met you i think mm -hmm. The point is that uh, I was so engrossed in plaster and plaster dust that it just killed my system. Like, oh, wow. like it, 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 it killed all my plants. Like all the, all the plants I had in my apartment died and I had such extreme exposure to it that it just, it just gave me um, really bad uh, eczema all over. Oh my God. Now, if I'm ever working with it, if I work too much with the plaster, it'll start happening again. So I just, I can only like work so much. Like if I'm doing the skulls, I'll do one week on with the plaster, one week off, hmm. you know? Do you have to use so, like gloves and everything or can you touch well, it? Yeah. I use gloves whenever I'm sanding anything anymore. Any kind of, any kind of even sculpy dust getting on my hands, it affects me. Wow. We're not, I'm not immortal like I used to be. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't think anymore. Yeah, that happens too with urethanes. I know people that developed allergies to urethanes after working with them too much. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've and I've worked in some filthy, filthy studios and and really hard, 
harsh environments where we're like you're working with spray paints and nobody has ventilation and nobody oh, yeah oh. and like when you're a kid you just laugh it off like oh yeah. ha, ha, ha. you know now uh, now you know i one squirt from a spray paint can and i'm coughing up my lungs <laughs> i know the, the, I can't sweep the floor without having a freaking allergy fit you know damn i remember working i i hate to even talk about this because it just makes me cringe but i got this gig i was out of work there's this period i was between shops and i got this gig working for they were making a suit for the show the tick okay and it was i don't know if it was yeah it was i think from the night when did the tick when was the tick no that was like the early 2000s or something i think somewhere down there yeah i think anyway they needed someone to paint it and so they just put me in the the bat shop which was where they made all the the batman stuff i guess um and it was just me. Nobody was there. And I was all, you know, uncomfortable being in this place. I, I was all shy and everything. And so I just went in there and started painting. I didn't have a respirator, nothing. And it was like just this mist yep. in the whole shop. And then finally the lady who hired me came in. She's like, oh, my God. You know, like I didn't even realize, but I was just sitting in this toxic cloud for right. hours, you know, and it's like, uh, I can't I, I don't even know how many years i've taken off my life with this stuff because it's been a it's been a lot <laughs> the 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 pink insulation foam that i work with there's a lot of people that will cut it with hot knives uh -huh. oh wow you should use a hot knife it's easier here when you're doing that you're releasing uh toxic gas yeah like nerve nerve killing gas <laughs> yeah know? yeah i think cyanide those, cyanide. Yeah, cyanide that's what i was gonna say the yeah. the polyfoams uh the rigid foams or the soft polyfoams too they have a cyanide gas in them and i can't tell you how many times i worked in small rooms with like three or four guys with hot knives carbon foam all just sitting there breathing that crap for hours yeah <laughs> you know? well remember the i'm gotten as old as i am you know <laughs> remember the uh the creepy crawlers the thing maker from the Oh damn! Do I? That's yeah. That was toxic too. That was hot melt vinyl, which is, is yeah. so toxic. <laughs> I used to sit there. I lost the oven, but I had it from my brother. My older brother had had one, and so we lost the oven. But I had the metal molds, and I had the goop stuff. And so uh -huh. instead of putting it in the mold and then putting it in the little oven they give you, I would just set it on the. I set the mold on the stove <laughs> directly over an open flame, and then I would pour the stuff in. <laughs> and oh, it would cook God. it and then it would dry and you know, i love i mean it was super amazing and fun i still have some of those molds but um yeah i can't even i know the smell it's like i was six years old breathing there's a different different time back then <laughs> a super elastic bubble plastic yeah. don't forget that. <laughs> how many kids ate that stuff oh my that god pure poison yeah that was we like xylene or something was in that some horrible chemical yeah, yeah. We had this other thing. It was like a, a little oven, a little metal hot plate kind of thing with a plastic dome over it. And you got these cubes, these plastic cubes, and you would put them in the oven and you turn the heat on and they turn into dinosaurs or oh, monsters wow. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there was this other like vice thing with a metal thing that you would put the the monster in and you'd crush them back into a cube when you were done with them. Right. <laughs> But it was, it was, you'd end up burning them. <laughs> <laughs> just be filling the room with 
toxic plastic fumes. Black, and, yeah, black toxic smoke. It was so horrible. It was so horrible. All the things he had as a kid. Oh yeah. We used to, I used to build models when I was a kid. I used to build the Aurora monster models and, uh, yeah. and the, uh, I used to be into hot rod cars too. And whenever I got bored with my hot rods, I would burn them to make them look like they were in a wreck, you know? Uh-huh. So you sit there with like a lighter or matches and sit here, let it burn. Uh, you know, it would drip like napalm stuff if you got it on you got black smoke would come off of it and it looked really cool but you know burning army men and all that stuff that stuff is terrible i don't know yep yeah we're lucky to be alive (laughs) yeah it was a different world halloween was a lot better back then too oh man no kidding halloween used to be something exciting oh yeah it was like yeah when i was a kid everybody was out Every it was like a it was like a party on your street, you know. Every kid was out. Did did they have uh, the night before Halloween where you were? No, where, where you were? my my wife tells me about that, like Devil's Night or something, because she's from Michigan. Yeah, they, call, they call they call it different things in different areas, but where I grew up, it was called Goosey Night. Goosey Night, <laughs> a stupid name, Goosey Night. Goosey makes it sound. What does that even mean? This makes it and, sound and, pleasant. That would be the night that, that you run around with eggs and soap and toilet paper and you right. just like, you know, but, you know, I just remember being scared as hell as a kid. Like we'd be out in the front yard hiding in the bushes with flashlight. No one's going to egg our house you know, <laughs> you know, with my toy army helmet on. And, yeah. You know, we'd be running down the street. Somebody was going down that street. Go get them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My wife's from Detroit. So she was like, man, it was scared. Devil's night was scary. in Detroit. Yeah. People would be I setting to, I be different there than it was in New Jersey. Mailboxes on fire and yep. you know yep. crazy stuff like that. Wow. Have you uh have you ever worked with um I asked Bear Mar this as well. Have you ever worked with um the epoxy clays or the epoxy putty type clays? You know, speaking of uh toxic, the uh Magic sculpt? Yeah, magic sculpt. That's supposed to supposedly that causes nerve damage. If really? You're working with your bare skin with that. Oh shit. That's what I heard. Wow. Wouldn't surprise me. But yes, but yes, I have used that. I, I, I use it um for s- certain things, like on the, the big skeleton head that I showed that I sent out to you, the mechanical parts of that were the epoxy clay. The skull itself was oh. plastic. Oh, okay. The good thing about that stuff is it dries like a rock right you can, right it's it, it's pretty unbreakable it's hard to yeah. harder to work with i think but um much harder it's like working with a tootsie roll kind of yeah <laughs> basically it's like, it's like sculpting a warm tootsie roll whereas you know working with sculpey sometimes it's like trying to sculpt pudding yeah right or uh bubble gum yeah bubble gum <laughs> Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, you should you you, you got to try the 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 oil-based clays. They really are so nice to sculpt. They feel so good. They're just like And, and they're monster clay. That's that's like That's that's like a cross between Chavant and Castelline. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 need to work that hot with with hot tools and a torch. No, no, no. It's you, no, it's not it's not uh nearly it's not, it's like, it's kind of like oil-based clay, but it's got wax in it also, but it's soft okay. wax, like beeswax or something. 
Um, okay. Yeah, it's got a really low melting point. What's great about monster clay that nothing beats it is if you have a mold, uh, you can melt it, and it gets like as thin as almost like candle wax. Like you can, okay. and then you pour it in the mold and um, let it cool down, or put it in the freezer, and it's like you, you have a reproduction in clay if you want to resculpt something. And, um, and it's, and it's kind of like, um, just a nice workable clay, you know, it's really great. That's, that's one cool thing about doing molding is also is that you, you have a backlog log of molds and to do another, if you want to do a new character, you can pour it up in monster clay and then use it as a base to sculpt a new thing on top of, you know, it's just like, and then when you get like a catalog of these things, you can kind of like. I do that with my frames now because I've got a few different frame molds. I'll just pour, yeah, pour yeah. little pieces, or um, sometimes I'll get that. There's this really great stuff called um, sill putty, or it's like a silicone putty. Like uh, okay, and you, it's a two part silicone putty. You mix it up, and then you just kind of press it on anything that's that's kind of rigid, and it'll make a mold that cures in 15 minutes or something. And then you pull it out, and then you could pour. Uh, resin casts out of it so it's like if you sculpt one little skull instead of sculpting a bunch of little skulls that you want to put all around the frame you sculpt one little skull and just throw some uh, sill putty on there and then 15 minutes you're, you're pouring them up in whatever material you want and you can just stick them on there it's pretty cool and then you can make a bunch of like Mr. Potato Head accessories so people can yep. have a different <laughs> yep <laughs> do, you, do you remember when Mr. Potato Head was a real potato I, I remember it, but I never had one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, used to, he used to be a real potato, and yep. and there was a carrot and a cucumber and all these other things in them too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my mother. My mother had a fit and threw mine out because she opened up the drawer one time and it was just filled with worms that were in the potato. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, that, that was. was Potato. I, I I I had Stretch Armstrong that I cut open and and do you remember Stretch Armstrong? Yes, that yes, was great. Um, I used to I I always ended up cutting things open and seeing how they worked and definitely uh, exactly. I don't have anything because if I wasn't doing that, I was blowing it up. But yeah, I remember shaving my GI Joes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> had the flock hair. I was always obsessed with like, what do we? What would it look like if I shaved this beard? You know. <laughs> <laughs> and then i'd be like painting them green because i wanted to turn them into the hulk and right putting yep. different heads on different people and stuff like that yeah i remember getting these like cool hand puppets that were basically like a glove with a plastic head on them and cutting them all up and making the heads into masks that my other guys could wear and oh, stuff like great. that that's great Just always ruining things yeah do you remember hugo man of a thousand faces yes Yes. That was great. Uh, it's so bad. I, I never got him. Uh, I did have, there were a bunch of, I, I, I don't want to say Don Post. It was some other guy that put out like all these monster making kits. Oh, the, and, Dick, like, the Dick, makeup and Dick, stuff Smith, like that. Dick Smith makeup kit. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it, it was the most nasty stuff. It like was like jelly, you Jelly's know, and you put it in the bowl yeah. and you put like a scar in your face yeah. and. <laughs> the crazy thing about that is, you know, Dick Smith's the guy who did the makeup for The Exorcist, uh, right. all these big movies, and he was like the best. He was the god, they call him the godfather of modern makeup effects. And he made this kit 
And those sculptures that they they gave you vacuform uh, plastic right. uh, molds, and then you mix up basically, which was gelatin. They called it flex flesh, powdered gelatin, and um, I forget what they call some other softener, and it was glycerin, and that made it, you know, suitable to glue down on on, a, on skin. It made it soft enough. But the he did the sculptures for all those makeups, and they're fucking like top level professional sculptures. So it's so weird to get these molds as a kid in some goofy makeup kit and have these sculptures be like works of art. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, like, there was like a hole and like an open wound. Yep. And, yep. and then there was the, he did a, a Jekyll and Hyde. Um, Dr. Jekyll oh, yeah. and Mr. Hyde. That's that, that picture on my Skype. And you're asking about the kid with the top hat. That's me in a Jekyll and Hyde dick smith makeup where all the i was running around and it was all, all sort of melting <laughs> dripping down my face but he had a he had a planet of the Ape or like a gorilla one like planet of the apes type and uh, yeah it was amazing really cool they go those for, were called, uh the face weren't they oh like no those... that was a different one that was another guy did oh, okay. the same basically the same kind of thing yeah and that had a a, a monkey so what what it was like a like a like a, almost like a styrofoam kind of thing you yeah face. yeah those yeah. had like those are like polyfoam or something they had the yeah, appliances yeah. already yeah yeah and it, it came on a vacuum form uh shape right of the so like if you got the skull you also had the the clear vacuum form skull which to me was like oh i'm gonna put a flashlight in there and yeah. do something with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's always something weird going on yeah yeah well you know creative creative kids we're always you know taking things apart and figuring out new ways of using things and you know um yeah and it was a good time for toys man the 70s was like pretty much the best time late 60s early 70s because i got a lot a lot of my brothers hand me down toys and they were fucking amazing right before they started you know making them safe for kids right Because too many, too many uh, whiners were dying from, from this <laughs> damn whiny dying, dying kids. <laughs> so, um, well, we're we're getting near the end here. Um, we're we're almost at we're at like an hour forty five. Um, you we're gonna sing a song now? Yeah. So let's everyone one. This two, is the no. musical interlude. <laughs> no, I wanted you to uh, talk about your Patreon because. Uh, uh, that's oh, something that's really, really cool. I, I, I'm all about people using Patreon. Um, I think it's great for artists and it's great for people who like art. Um, so it's, it's uh, like I said, I've learned a lot of sculpting tips from your or armored. I forget what it was. You had something. I, I wrote you about it. I was like, oh, I, or I commented. I never thought about that all my years. I, I think it was the plaster. I remember you asking me a lot of questions about the plaster. Okay. You didn't- I had commented about mixing shellac in there. You were like, Oh, I didn't think about that. That's it. Yeah. Right. Right. That's such a great idea. But anyway, you're kind of like showing all your secrets on there, right? Yeah. I mean, again, going back to what we said, you know, I don't have secrets, you know, (laughs) but, but sharing your knowledge, I'll, I'll share as, as much as I can to the best of my ability. And, and as I'm sure you get this, you understand that the more support you have on patron, the better your patron can be. Right. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You, you, if you get enough support, you can start doing videos and you can start, you know, we talked about stop motion animation. How cool would it be to have a patron page where that's where you get that's, right. that's where you go to see Tom Taggart stop motion? Yeah. You know, and if I have this amount of money, 
boom, that's going to happen because right. I need the equipment and I need the, you know, whatever it is. And yeah. I need money for ice cream, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I'll, 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 I'll gladly show people everything and anything. I don't, I don't, I don't hold back. Yeah. You know? It's cool too. Cause people can ask questions and it's like, it's like a open dialogue with the artist and you know it's like i could get on there and ask you anything and you just tell me in the comments you know yeah yeah i i I find that uh you know at least for me i I have a lot of people that support me just because they want to see me doing well and they're not really paying attention to what's going on yeah yeah it kind of gets like i i i love it that they're supporting me but i want them to kind of see the the stuff and come like this is what you're giving me money for. Like learn and tell me that you're seeing it. And, right. You know. <laughs> I'm used to getting like 1,200 likes on a post or something, and then over on Patreon, it's like 13 likes. <laughs> it's like, hey, yeah, I'm I, getting like two. I'm getting two on on average. You know, <laughs> like maybe somebody kind of half spelling something like burp. You know, <laughs> it's you cool. Know? It's 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 still building. I think it's becoming. You know, people are. I don't know, getting used to it. It's, a, it's still a kind of a new platform. I, I'll tell you, it, it's a weird thing. And I, I have, I don't know about you, but I have, I have mixed feelings about it because there's this part of me that feels like I'm like, oh, I'm such a failure that I need to ask people to pay for me to do my work. Mm. You know, like, like there's that guilt about it, like that shame, like, like, like I, I'm sitting there with my hand out, but at the same time, I see other people that have, you know, they're getting, fistloads of money and i see that they're doing really cool shit right it's just like the only way that they can be doing that is because of this right yeah it's i think it's it's a new model it's a new model new business model you know it's different and it's uh i've heard people say that before too like it's a handout or you're asking people but the way i see it is you know we've been giving this stuff away to everybody for free for you know for 10 years for me now all this information on other social media channels and 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 uh the you know ultimately we built up the social media channels with our free content and so i i feel like you know i i feel okay about asking people to pay us such a small amount of money ultimately it's very little for all the information and stuff you're getting um, so I feel good about it and, and, and I feel like, um, it's more intimate too, you know, it's, it's, I like that the people that are into it are really into it and you talk to them and get to know them. And, um, yeah. I don't know, I yeah. dig it. It's just it, a different it's mindset. Like, it's different. It's not like Facebook where people are just kind of wandering by to call you a, you know, a jackass. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. They're coming right to that you. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the other great thing about Patreon is you don't get trolls because, yeah. No, no troll is going to pay to to troll you, even if it's a dollar a month. You know, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put it past Some, them. Somebody will. But and anyway, what's yeah. your what's your uh, what's your Patreon? Do you do you, your address? Do you know it? I mean, I'll put it in the in the uh, description as well. But I, I I think it's just Tom Taggart. Um, okay. I'll have to check it. Um, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not. Not too sure. I'll, I'll I'll check it. On. I'll put I'll put it in the description though, along okay. with any other links but you got. Sure, sure. If you went on Patreon and searched for Tom Taggart, you'd find me. Yeah, for sure. And and if nothing else, you find me on Facebook. 
I posted all over the damn place. Right. But, but um, you know, like I said, I'm I'm really just hoping that it can evolve to be something where it it becomes a, a means to do the things that we artists have all wanted to do, right. but really is no other way to do it. Right. It's like, you know, you, you know, here's a good argument against the handout thing. Now, if you were in the middle ages and you had a, um, a sponsorship, if you had a patron, some rich person that was paying you just to create art, you wouldn't feel like that was a handout. Would you, that would be honorable. That's what they used to do back then. This is the yeah. same thing, but nobody's rich anymore. You know, every, you know, the, the gap, there's, every, there's a few people that have all the money and then every, the rest of us are, you know, don't have a lot of money. So it's like everybody pitches in a little bit to be like that collective patron for you, like in the old days. Right. Right. And, and, it, you know, it, it's just, it's just a, a certain amount of people that, that kind of look ill upon it. And, and right. those, those are the ones that don't really matter so much, but it's still coming from my background. I have that, that guilt and that, that feeling of inadequacy and that I suck and everything that I'm just trying to overcome. That's an artist but, uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, man, I forgot my, my train of thought there. There's something about, uh, well, I know you were talking about the potential of it. Having, can you imagine having a ton of money coming in? the shit you could make it would be amazing i'd be able i feel like i'd be able to make i have a vision for for my patreon it's like if i had the money there it would be the most amazing patreon on patreon you know it's like i yeah. i can see it it's just yeah. a matter of resources exactly and and it's just like how else do how else is any of this stuff going to happen and and people you know people I, I think people in general don't understand how much it takes of us to, to, to do this. Right. You know, even, even my ex-girlfriends, you know, used to think I just sat around the house all day. Oh yeah. And no, you're dedicated 24 seven. Would be constantly calling me to send me off to the, the store to do this. Can you go pick up that? Can you go do this? Can you, and I'm like, I'm working. Oh, but you're at home. You're watching cartoons. Right. <laughs> Granted, the cartoons are on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? exactly it's like just because the tv's on while we're working doesn't mean we're not working <laughs> and, it, and, and it's like here's the thing about it and and, and and you get this we work all the time absolutely i work seven days a week i have yep. no days off i work hours that most people would would bitch and gripe about and i'm poor as hell i i i can't even afford to do the work that i'm getting paid to do right. half the time because I take on jobs just because I think I need that job right. <laughs> and I fit it and it, it's just this whole weird mess. And it's just like, at least with patron, if it could just get that little cushion, that, that little, like, you don't have to worry that, you know, that when you finish this piece, the money to ship, it's going to be there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's know? the thing. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like, like, is that too much to ask that, that I just don't have to worry about having to go donate blood so that I can ship the piece? That, right. you know? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, we're, we're, I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm, you know, destitute, but it comes down to, do I buy art supplies or do I eat this week? Right. And, and it shouldn't have to be that way. It, 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 there should be more of a system where we're getting, to be artists and, and right. not have to sell out 
because I feel like when you're doing all commissions, you're limited to what people want of you, mm-hmm. not what you want of you or what you can see yourself doing. You know, I can come to you and say, hey, Chad, I want you to do this. But you have different things in your head that I can't even imagine. Right. That I would never be able to even come to you and suggest to do. Right. So wouldn't it be better to see you do that? Right. Than have me commission you to do something less. Yeah, exactly. And 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 tell me if you feel this way as well. Like I feel like my whole art career, I've been under the gun with everything I've been creating. So, and I always think, imagine if I had the time and the money to actually yeah. do it right. It's like I barely I'm you know, I'm doing work that I I consider good, but it's under duress all the time. It's never like exactly. You know what I'm saying? And it's like I know what you're saying. <laughs> Wouldn't it be a- sacrificed everything, everything. I mean, I I'm not kidding. I I've given my youth, I've given my health, I've given uh, I have no social life i have no love life and it's all because i'm an artist because i can't do anything else but this 24 hours a day just to survive right and yes i love it and yes i'm driven to it and yes i would do it even if i was a millionaire but i still would like to be able to know that i can you know take a week on a piece and not feel like i'm a idiot for doing that right (laughs) yeah right yeah. Or, or, or how's, how's this sound? How, how about just being able to work on one piece at a time right. and finish it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what a concept. have 30 pieces <laughs> laid out in different stages. You know, well, like, like I, I have different clothes that I put on because like when I'm working with plaster, I got to wear these pants and I got to go over here and put these pants on and then go over here and sit at this table. And then I got to put this glove on and go over. And it's just like, sometimes I just want to sit at the table and, have my cup of coffee and just scoop right, all night. Yeah. Right. But I don't get that. I don't, it, it, it's crazy. It is crazy. But I, I really do think that that's, that Patreon is the way out of that for us. It's just a matter at this point now, they're not a discovery platform. They, meaning that they don't like have a, there's nowhere to find it other than you pushing it on other platforms. They, right. they make that clear from the beginning. So it's really just a matter of promotion, promotion, keep pushing it, keep pushing it to bring people over because most people, I, you know, I feel like if I was able to get, you know, I've got like, I've got a lot of followers on Instagram. Yes, I got a fucking ton. And if I was able to get, I follow you on Instagram. Yes. I follow you on Instagram. I think. Um, if I was able to just talk to 5,000 of those people, which is a tiny minuscule thing and say, Hey, check out what I'm doing over here. Um, if you could donate one, two or three bucks, five bucks a month, that would be like, that would be it. It, My life, my life would be completely different. It would change everything. It would change everything. spend infinitely more than that on on just coffee every day right exactly that's the whole thing it's more you know less than a cup of coffee um exactly so, exactly so it's like uh and and the um you know like you said that the, the I, I didn't mean i didn't mean for this to, to be a patreon commercial but i, I was trying to i, I want to i want people to support your patreon because uh i, I want people to support that. my patreon <laughs> so i i brought i want i did want to bring it up um but i but um Shit. Yeah, no problem. It, it is, but it is like, uh, 
it's a life changer. It really, it's potentially a life changer, you know, and I know some people that are making that kind of money and, and it allows you, you know, when you have that kind of money coming in every month, it's like I said, it changes everything. It changes everything. And and just being able, just being able to to say like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to try this material this month and you can order it and you can work with it. And if it doesn't work, you're not doomed. Right. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And you could share and, and, and every new thing that you try, you get to share with people on there and they're getting yeah. to see it while you're experimenting with it and learning themselves, you know, it's really kind of, a, I, when I have to get like you, I have to get a little, I, like, you know, just s- seeing how long it took me to get Skype set up and everything. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the most tech savvy guy. And I, I want to get that all sorted out and I want to get like all my components in sync with each other so right. that I have this thing talking to that thing, to that thing and be able to set up. Because I I'm I'm not yet able to get the uh, the film videos on Patreon because I think you have to have a web. Oh yeah, I I put my yeah you have to host them on. Um, I host mine on YouTube, and then put them okay. as unlisted so people only people who get the 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 uh, Patreon can see them, and then you have to copy that link and put them in uh, Patreon. I could show you how to do it though sometime if you if you ever want to know. It's not that hard. I mean a lot of stuff. I, I've done videos on my phone and then just uploaded it from my phone to YouTube and then done the whole thing on my phone, just like right there. Same with pictures. You can take pictures and post them on yet. They have a Patreon app that you can put the pictures from your phone on there too. So. Oh, cool. Do you, um, do you do editing on your phone? Um, I don't, I, I have, I've got a computer for editing, but um, I know Mike Carell does with his Patreon. He, he found an editor. I'm not sure what he's using, but I could find out. But he edits his videos on his phone. Yeah. I mean, I have an iMac, and, and it's, it's completely suited for all that kind of stuff, so I should be able to, to do that. Yeah, yeah. I call it my $3,000 Facebook machine because that's basically <laughs> <laughs> I really should learn some other stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, indispensable, for, especially if I'm doing, like, tutorial videos and stuff, so it's really, like really really helpful for that yeah and then i'm gonna start streaming that's all all part of it you know the the more the more freedom you get the more you can explore and get that kind of stuff set up yeah yeah right now i'm still just under the gun every every month it's like this this it's like running a marathon and getting to the end and you're like oh Oh, here's the end, and then they're it starts. Running, they shoot the gun out, gotta run again, and it's just like you're kidding me. How many times you gotta keep doing this? You're like, exactly. It, That's it, exactly how it is. People people don't get it. They 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 think they think you know they think that like oh. That's fun. You're just having fun. Yeah. You don't have to go to work. You don't have to go to a job. You don't have to leave the house. You got it made. You're just playing with clay all day. It's fun. It's like no. <laughs> it's uh, probably a lot harder than the, the job you're doing actually because usually it's like you know I've, I've worked twice as many hours that i did when i was in the film industry you know plus you know when it's, when it's us doing our work there's there's no one else there like like no one's going to pick up the slack right we're just gonna get paid until that job is done and done right where you go to a, a nine to five job you could you could screw off all day and you still get a paycheck. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Also, if the sculpture isn't right, 
or the painting isn't right, there's no one to blame but yourself. You can't like go, oh, my art director sucked or the idea that I, you know, the they gave me sucked and it does, you know, it's, it's you, you succeed or fail completely on your own, which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's good for your self-esteem, but it's also like, it's a lot of pressure, you know, but that's why I look like this at, at 35. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> let's end this thing. That was a, that was a nice, good long one. Um, thanks for coming on, man. It was great. Super fun talking to you. <laughs> I'm I'm flattered that you would even ask. Oh, of course, you know I'm, I always tell you I'm a big fan of your work. I don't know you, you don't believe me. Well, <laughs> you know, I got issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me tell let me tell the audience. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you could kind of help, this whole podcast is totally a word of mouth thing. Um, so if you could spread the word and share it and like it and subscribe all the things you can do with podcasts that would be cool Um, and if you really want to get crazy you can donate as little as a dollar a month to the patreon like we were just talking about it's a patreon.com slash dark art society and um yeah that's it so thank you everybody for listening thank you tom for coming on the show and spending this time and say goodbye to everybody with me tom Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. everybody.